pick John. John. Yeah, baby. I love the way you say my name. What's up, everybody? It's the views from the John podcast, and it's Friday, Friday, Friday. It's Friday, October 18, 2019. How are you? I'm just checking in on you. How are you, everybody? It's Friday. Finally, right? The weekend's here. Then it will be over, and it's Monday morning again. Welcome. It's Views from the John for October 18th, 2019. Hey, want to start out? With a shout out to Opie. Anybody know Opie? Remember Opie and Anthony? Opie and Ant? My God. Let's see. I first discovered them because uh, they were on WAAF 107.3. The rock station out of Boston. uh, For many years. And uh, yeah, they were the best DJs there. Awesome. They came up with the wow, the whip them out Wednesdays. Everybody over the Massachusetts had the whip them out Wednesday sticker, right? Where the women would pull up their uh, shirts and flash you. Or, hey, some dudes would even whip out their junk and flash you. But that's what it was all about, man. It was whipping it out Wednesday. That was Opie and Anthony. They got fired from AAF. Then I want to say they went to, uh... God, am I going to get this wrong? Is K-Rock Los Angeles or is it uh, New York? They went to the New York station, uh, Terrestrial Radio. And then they kicked ass there, and then they went to XM. And uh, they were literally located right down the hall from uh, the Howard Stern Show inside of that serious building in New York City. But yeah, Opie, real name, Greg Hughes. Sorry, I don't think that's a big uh, mystery that uh, Opie's real name is Greg Hughes. But here's why I want to give a shout-out to Opie, right? Opie, if anybody knows comedy, anybody knows radio, anybody knows podcasting, anybody knows Bill Burr, Jim Norton, Patrice O'Neill, they were all friends and stopped by uh, the Opie and Anthony podcast um, tons of times over the years. And uh, the reason I want to give a shout-out to Opie is because I've been talking about this on the podcast, right? Where there's, uh, you know, we're all in the same field, right? I'm in the entertainment field. So is Opie. Opie's been doing this at a high level, making good money, good living, right, for quite a long time. But uh, I reached out to him last night through a private Instagram message. Just a quick, what's up, man? You know, how you doing? The fucking guy got right back to me like we were homies. That is how you act, people. That made my night just to know that Opie, right? Guy I've always looked up to. Great radio guy, great broadcaster. Fucking awesome, right? The dude just instantly hit me back up on Instagram. He didn't have this, you know, I, I don't I don't talk to my fans. 
I didn't even come across like a fan. I'm just like, Opie, you rock. Love your shit. Here's my shit. Check me out. And he just starts talking to me like a normal guy. That is how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I know if you're wildly popular, you know, you're Brad Pitt or some shit, you know, you probably get fucking 10 million emails on social media a day, right? You can't get back to anybody. But, you know, Opie, I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but seriously, man, I mean, when I just reach out to somebody like Opie, who's definitely at a little higher level than I am in the uh, business, and he just gets right back to me and talks to me just like we're on the same level, what a cool motherfucker. Seriously. It took the guy probably, what, 20 seconds out of his day to get back to somebody that's, uh, you know, in the same business, but a little new to it, right? The guy didn't care. He put the ego aside, the, I don't know who this fuck is, and just treated me like a human being. That's fantastic. So shout out to you, Opie. You rock, dude. You seriously fucking rock. If I could get that kind of response out of uh, more people, uh, that would be great. I'm not looking for a fucking handout. It's just cool having, you know, somebody actually write back to you, putting aside their ego. Well, I don't know this guy that, you know, they must suck because, I, you know, fuck that. I'm a human being. We're both doing it, right? We're both in the business. He's been in it a lot longer, a lot more money, a lot more fame, right? But we're still human. So, yeah. He put that shit aside and he got right back to me. We had a great fucking chat on Instagram. So, cheers, brother. Cheers. Opie, you rock. That's fucking great. Another thing I'm really excited about. Yesterday, we, what we, I, finished up the VOA, the voice over audio, for our very first animated short clip, which should be getting finished up over the weekend. And I'm hoping next week... It'll be out on YouTube and our webpage and everywhere else for you to view. Um, it's going to be a series of animated, short, comedic bits. All original. I'm doing the voices. My buddy Tuna, uh, who I'm working with, uh, lives halfway across the country. But, you know, we're working great together despite the distance. And, uh, yeah, animation is done. I did the voiceovers yesterday. I had a great time recording those voiceovers. Uh, it was really fun picking out which which one of my uh, 200 voices in my head I was going to use to put up to the characters. But yeah, the VOA is done. The animation is done. Uh, we're just going to be syncing the audio to the animation and uh, we'll be releasing it. I am super, super excited for that. So get ready for that. And how about playoff baseball, huh? The Nationals. The Washington Nationals swept the cards howie kendrick and nlcs mvp i tell you man i was talking about this in the last podcast the nationals came out of nowhere right i think they were like below 500 at the all-star break and then they got into july august and they were just murdering people mowing every team down every night i'd look at the box scores they'd beat somebody you know 13 to 3 the next night it was 8 to 1 next night it was like 18 to 2 just incredible, and they haven't stopped. And uh, yeah, like like I said uh, during the last couple of weeks of the uh, baseball season, when I was in my fantasy uh, championship, I actually picked up Howie Kendrick because um, he was on fire, and he still is. And congratulations to that dude, man. So that yeah, your Washington Nationals are in the World Series. 
And again, congratulations to Howie Kendrick, NLCS MVP. And yes, Washington, the Washington Nationals are in the World Series. And uh, yeah, I got the suspicion that uh, the Donald is somewhat behind it, right? You know, everybody seems to play the Trump card, right? Everything that goes wrong, it's Trump's fault, right? So if you're a baseball fan and you're like, how the fuck did the Washington Nationals get into the World Series? Blame it on Trump, right? He's got to have something to do with it, right? Anything that doesn't go your way in this country, it's Trump's fault. Trump this, Trump that. I get it, man. All right? I'm not a fan. He's a buffoon. But I'm telling you, it's just, it's convenient, right? He's become the scapegoat. Anything goes wrong in your life, just blame it on Trump. You didn't get that date tonight? Blame it on Trump. It's Trump's fault, right? Just everything's Trump's fault, right? You're having a shitty day at work today? Blame it on Trump, right? He'll take it. Just, just, just go on Twitter. You can argue with him. You can tell him. You can tell him how your prom date, you know, stood you up and uh, it's his fault. And he'll argue with you. He'll be like, that was not my fault, right? So, yeah, if you don't like the Washington Nationals being in the uh, World Series, just blame it on Trump. Pull up that chair, right? Play that Trump card. Hug your Trumpy bear. But I don't know, man. These uh, these nationals with that uh, with that support of the Trump right, can the Yankees or Astros compete? Speaking of that, the Astros are up two games to one. Uh oh, is it gonna be your New York Yankees or is it gonna be the Houston Astros? And can either one of them possibly compete with the Nationals? I don't know, man. I think I think fate is in the Nationals' corner. I really do. Look what they're doing. They're just running over teams. Not only are they a great team with a great pitching staff and a great offense, but they are just on fire right now. And when you're in that groove with the pitching staff they have, Scherzer, Corbin, you kidding me? There's just, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. As good as the Yankees are, as good as uh, you know the Astros are, the Nationals are just as good, but they are just playing with this like fever, right? They are just playing with this, you know. You have a look of destiny about you. They have a look of destiny about them, don't they? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they can do. It. I don't know if we'll have enough time. I don't know if we'll have enough time to compete with the Nationals. But hey. You know what? The Yankees have won it, what, 28 billion times? Astros have been doing it a lot lately. Let's give it to the Nationals, huh? So here's to you, Washington Nationals. I will be rooting for you in the World Series, despite that my Boston Red Sox are an American League team, but I hell will be frozen over before I root for the Yankees. Never. If I had it my way, that plane would probably crash on the way to Houston. <laughs> Sorry, Yankees fans. That's terrible, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't wish your plane crashes. I really don't. Just back when A-Rod and Jeter were riding on it. <laughs> Not a big uh, A-Rod fan or Jeter fan. Great baseball player. 
but the fact that he was with the evil empire just forever will rub me the wrong way. Like Johnny Damon, right? Johnny Damon. Nobody can forget what Johnny Damon did for Boston baseball, right? The dirtbags. What he did in that 2004 ALCS and everything else, man. Johnny Damon. And then what happens? We lose him to free agency and he goes to the evil empire. Oh my God. And then he finishes his career. I'm telling you, man. Um, I got a couple uh, acquaintances that know Johnny Damon personally. And uh, I tell you, I would love to meet that man someday. Just because, you know, he'll forever be a hero in Boston. Just like Dave Roberts, right? Mark Bellhorn, Minkiewicz, Keith Folk, any of those guys from the 04 series, man. You know? Tim Wakefield, Jason Veritek, those guys will never have to buy another meal in Boston for the rest of their lives, right? Just baseball legends for helping us uh, do what we did back in 04. But those guys, right? I just lost my train of thought. I don't know why I'm talking about those guys. The Red Sox. Yeah, lost my train of thought. Fuck it. Uh, yes. Uh, fuck, dude. I was laughing my balls off Sunday night. Have you... Is, you guys watch Family Guy? Right? All right. When Family Guy came out, it was like revolutionary to me. I was buying up the DVDs. You know, especially season two, three, four, when it when it first came out. And then, you know, Family Guy kept going strong. And then I feel like right around the time that, like, American Dad came out, I think Seth MacFarlane might have been focusing a little bit more on Family, or on uh, American Dad than Family Guy. And I think Family Guy kind of was kind of blowing in the breeze there, kind of flapping out, kind of left to dry. People were kind of more on the uh, Family Guy train now, or... Uh, Sorry, the American Dad train. Me, I love them both, right? Um, but I definitely think Family Guy kind of dropped off. I don't know what it is, but this newest season, I believe it's season 18, right? The first three, ep three four episodes, what are we, three episodes into it? Fucking fantastic. Family Guy is back with a vengeance. I don't know if uh, Seth has now really turned his uh, skills back to his, uh, his baby, but uh, I'm telling you. The episode that just came on last Sunday, it was called uh, Absolutely Babulous. And um, it was just fucking hilarious. It was, it was just quintessential, great, old-school family guy. Every cutaway gag was roll on the floor laughing. Um, there was like three specific cutaways that I had to screen capture and keep for myself. A couple of which I uh, actually uploaded to my YouTube channel if you want to check them out. One of uh, one of which is when Chris uh, gets saved from a burning house by uh, John Herbert, you know, the pedophile old man pervert down the street. And uh, the other one I really, uh, there was so many. Uh, there was a bar mitzvah uh, one that I didn't end up capturing that was absolutely hilarious. Um, the other one that I really, really, really loved, and I'm fucking drawing a blank right now. What was the other cutaway? Oh, the Muslick cereal. The German cereal that likes to watch you poop. Holy shit. I don't know, dude. I would love to be in that writing room for just one episode with those guys. I cannot imagine how much fun they have coming up with this shit. But I'm telling you. 
if you like Family Guy or you used to like Family Guy and now you've kind of fallen off, go back. Check them out again because the latest uh, season, brand new season, season 18, there are three episodes into it, fucking absolutely hilarious, okay? Um, another one that's killing it. And I talked about this all the time. South Park. South Park, South Park, South Park. Um, I think I have 26 episodes of South Park saved on my uh, home DVR, right? And it's just a snippet of my favorite South Park episodes. Actually, you know what? Let's let's try to pull that up right now. I'm going to read... If you're a big South Park guy like I am, I want to see if uh, any of these episodes might resonate with you, right? But these are some of my favorites, right? Overlogging. When the family heads out west, when they uh, find out the internet's gone. Fish sticks, right? The fish stick joke with Kanye West. How classic. Casa Bonita. The Mexican restaurant where Cartman does... Oh, oh my, how, how fucking manipulative and, and, and evil is Cartman? That's, that's what I love about him. It drives me nuts. But the lengths that he goes to manipulate people and get his way is insane. And it's on full display in Casa Bonita. Um, margarine, when they turn butters into a girl. Uh, oh my god. Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. The very first episode he ever appeared in. Season 1, episode 9. When he comes out of that fucking toilet when Stan's taking a shit and he's like, God, I used to be able to do that better, but as I got older, my voice can't crack that high. But fucking A, when he comes popping out of that toilet, the Christmas poo, holy fuck, dude. I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard in my life. I can watch it now, 20-something years later, and still laugh just as hard. And, um, oh my God, when his parents walk into the bathroom, because they hear all this commotion, and they see just shit all over everything, and they're like, Stan, what did you do? Or, was it, oh, it was Kyle. They're like, Kyle, what did you do in here? There's shit all over the place. He's like, no, it's, it's Mr. Hanky. He's alive. And he's, I think he's just standing there with, like, shit in his hand. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, oh, my God. So, yeah, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. Uh, make Love, Not Warcraft, where all the kids turn into, like, 400-pound, uh, you know, Warcraft players. And there's some uh, idiot that keeps killing them. Uh, the Human Centipede, where they do a spoof on the uh, the, the Human Centipede movie. Uh uh, Ike's wee-wee. School counselor Mackie gets fired and Kyle tries to prevent Ike's circumcision. More crap. The one where Randy takes the uh, world's record for the biggest shit, but it ends up being Bono as the record holder. Uh, the F-word, where the obnoxious motorcycle riders that disrupt everybody. The tale of Scrody McBooger Balls, the controversial book that the boys uh, read. Oh my god, this is creme fresh, dude. Anybody seen my creme fresh? My fresh cream? Randy's obsession with the Food Network forces Jaren, uh, Sharon to explore a new interest of her own, which is the shake weight, which gives you that refreshing splash. <laughs> when you're done, the alarm goes off in the middle of while she's sleeping. You have not worked out in eight hours. Oh, but, but sleep weight, I'm, I'm tired. It'll only it'll only take a minute. <laughs> I can't go to 
I'm telling you, dude, nobody gives the F you, okay, to PC-ness and all that other horse shit than Trey Matt. Nobody. Family Guy comes close. The others, I don't know. But nobody will ever do it as well as Trey and Matt. They just can't. But Creme Fresh, man, oh my god. Uh, Tolly. The first episode of Tolly, well, Tolly uh, shows up. The list where the girls rank the boys in order from cutest to ugliest. And they just, in the, what is it? It's either Kyle or uh, Stan is ranked the ugliest behind Cartman. And he just can't get it. Kenny and his girlfriend. Uh, when Kenny takes his girlfriend to the Jonas Brothers concert, the ring, the abstinence ring. Uh, the Return of the Fellowship of the Ring, where the boys uh, accidentally have the most hardcore porno in their possession. Smuggler, with everyone driving around Priuses. Grey Dawn, with the old people that, uh, you know, drive over everybody in town and kill them. Medicinal Fried Chicken, where Randy gives himself ball cancer just so he can get medicinal marijuana. <laughs> I mean, these are just... A, a portion, just like a, the scratching the surface of the classic episodes that uh, South Park has. And that's just scratching the surface. Just South Park is the best adult comedy series of all time. Nobody can touch it. You can't. You can, you can, you can try to combine The Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad, and all of them. And combined, they will not touch South Park. South Park just takes on, you know, PC-ness and just gives it the most absolute middle finger possible. They take on, no matter what subject, no matter how crazy, ridiculous, no matter how controversial, they just, they go head at it with just both fingers up in the air. Screw you. And I love it. I love it. Because I keep saying it, man. Don't get offended by comedy. It's comedy. Well, yeah, but, you know, mm, no, I don't know. It's offensive. What? I'll never get getting offended by comedy. You know, people will laugh their balls off at a whole bunch of jokes, and then uh, there'll be some joke that kind of hits a little too close to him, uh, to them, and then they'll get frustrated, you know. Relax, bro. All right, let's see, what else? So yeah, nobody gives the better middle finger to PC culture than Trey and Matt, and uh, this season, just fantastic. Last night was another brand new episode, Let Him Eat Goo, uh, where Cartman has a heart attack, because, not because of his fat ass and his ways, but he has a heart attack when he finds out that his lunch, he was all excited for Sloppy Joe Day, and they tell him that he's having some kind of a vegan meal, and that's what gives him the heart attack. And then uh, Randy and Towley coming up with the Tegrity Burgers. <laughs> the fucking Tegrity Burger. To compete with the Burger King plant-based Whopper. Let me tell you, that fucking commercial, there is no fucking way that a meatless burger tastes anything like a regular Whopper. If the guy in the commercial really can't tell that he's biting into a plant as opposed to meat, 
then there's a reason for that. Because Okay, I, I'll, I'll tell you the God's honest truth. I have not had fast food in, I want to say, five or six years. It's been five or six years since I've had a Big Mac or a Whopper or any of that shit, right? And I don't miss it. I honestly think if I were to try to eat a Whopper or a Big Mac, I would probably puke. I mean, I just cannot handle that level of just shit, right? And so, all right. Going by memory, the Whopper had a lot of condiments on it, right? It was just stacked a mile high with lettuce and pickles and tomatoes and onions. And it had like a half bottle of ketchup and mayonnaise on it. So, and, and if you look at the meat, the meat is so thin that I think you could probably slip a piece of cardboard in there with the same condiments and you wouldn't be able to tell. So that's why I think people can't tell that they're eating a plant instead of meat because there's so much other shit on that sandwich. Look at it. Next time you get a Whopper, look how much crap there is on it besides just the little slice of meat or whatever's in it. The bun, all the fucking condiments and the vegetables on it. Seriously, I don't think you could tell. I really don't. And from somebody who's actually been behind the scenes at a Burger King, if you saw what those burgers started out with, or started out before they actually were quote-unquote cooked, I don't think you'd go back there, all right? If you've ever been behind the scenes at a, at a top-secret operation like Burger King, okay, I shit you not, the burgers look like the size of a, uh, like a full-size plate, right? That's your, that's your Whopper. They take your Whopper out of a freezer, not even covered, right? So it looks like a freezer-burned size of a full-size plate. It looks like a freezer-burned uh, Frisbee, right, that you just took out of the, uh, you know, freezer, right? That's what you're eating. Then they then they just throw that fucking thing on a conveyor belt, and it slowly rolls along some flames, right? And then then and then, and then on the other end, you got this uh, this quote unquote meat, right? That's what you're eating. So basically, you're eating a a freezer burned, uh, completely frozen solid disc that's literally the size of a fucking frisbee and then about two minutes later when it magically comes out the other end it's a whopper so next time you go to bite into a whopper just picture and i'm not shitting you picture the size of a frisbee that's the most freezer burned unrecognizable piece of shit you've ever seen and then you throw that on a fucking grill and a couple minutes later you got yourself a whopper enjoy Man, remember back in the day, back in the day, and I can't believe I have to say this now, back in the day, but back in the day, they had 99-cent Whoppers. This was in the mid-90s. 99-cent full-size Whopper. And I'm telling you, me and my buddies, and uh, fucking back in Grimlock, especially Johnny the Singer, we used to fucking love Big Macs, dude. We would, we would go, and we would get two or three of those fuckers. I swear to God. One of those giant Big Macs was only 99 cents, and you would get two of those fuckers, and we would scarf those things down. We'd feel like hell afterwards. But this is no lie. Uh, this dude, Johnny, uh, that was the singer of fucking Grimlock, I think he's calmed down now, but back in the day, he was a madman. I watched that guy eat, and this is no lie. The guy did not puke. 
or anything, but he sat down and I think he ate 11 or 12 Whoppers in a sitting in about a half hour period. Um, he was really back into bodybuilding and he just had to get as much calories into him as fucking possible. And these things were 99 cents and they were, and they were fucking delicious. I don't get me wrong. I don't eat this shit anymore, but these things were fucking delicious, right? And they were only 99 cents and these things were huge and they just tasted great. Like they had crack in them or something, right? Like the freaking uh, you know, McDonald's, uh, the French fries. I swear to God, they sprinkle crack or, you know, something addictive on that shit. But, um... I'm telling you, he scarfed down like 9, 10, 11 of these in one sitting to bulk up. The guy did not get sick. He did not puke, right? And then this other time, right, he was uh, he was now fasting for his, uh, for his like workout routine. But he loved the taste of the Whopper so much. So we'd go to the Burger King drive-thru. We'd get like four Whoppers, right? Two for me, two for him. And because he was fasting, he would eat the Whopper. He would chew it enjoy all the juices and then he would spit the fucking shit out back into the bag <laughs> that's one way to do it right he loved the taste of the wapa so much that he would just chew the fuck out of it and just enjoy all those juices just you know flowing over the fucking taste buds and then he'd spit it out so he didn't swallow it because he couldn't have the fucking calories <laughs> but yeah man the tegrity farms burgers last night I don't know if anyone got a look at the t-shirt that Randy was wearing. Somebody has to make this t-shirt. But it basically said Tegrity Burgers. And then their catchphrase was, Tastes like shit, but you won't care. <laughs> I fucking love it. Tastes like shit, but you won't care. And why won't you care? Because a few minutes after you eat the burger, because it's a marijuana-based, uh, plant-based burger, you start feeling all high, right? You start feeling all warm inside. That's why you won't care. You know, you go eat a plant-based Whopper, right? Half an hour later, you're going to be running for the toilet. It's either going to come out your mouth or come out the other end, right? But you have a Tegrity Burger. It's going to taste like shit, just like that Whopper. But a half an hour later, you won't give a shit, right? You're just all fucking high. <laughs> so yeah, the Tegrity Burger tastes like shit, but you won't care. I love it. So listen to this, man, right? I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. Anybody from Charleston? Anybody from South Carolina? So yeah, I was a Yankee, born and raised outside of Boston. And I moved down to the South in 2004 until 2006. Met a lot of cool people in Charleston. A lot of cool people. Lots of cool people. But there was a whole nother part of living in South Carolina that was a whole lot different to living in Massachusetts. And I'll get into that another day. I think I've talked about it. But uh, the racism down there was actually palatable, which made me super uncomfortable because I think racism is one of the most stupidest, ignorant things that you can do. It's one of the most deplorable... I think it is the most deplorable thing in the history of this world. The fact that we thought it was a great idea to pluck up people from Africa and then just claim them like they're fucking robot slaves are you fucking kidding me i think about that aspect of our history and i'm just like outraged out man seriously and i'm not even black i just i can i can just imagine you know how fucked is that in our history that we felt it was okay to make another human being our slave 
Are you fucking kidding me? That is such a deplorable part of our history. It's it, There's not an adjective to describe how fucked up it is. Or how passionate I still feel about it. So, being raised where I was and am right now, it's extremely diverse, okay? And it's kind of well-known, I guess, depending on where you live, that people up in the northern half of the country are a little bit more or less, I guess, racist as a whole than people down south. You know, down south was where slavery was really big in those days and, uh, you know, segregation, and you still got some ignorant, hick white people that, you know, still think that it's, uh, you know, the 1700s or whatever. I, I, I hope I never come across one of you fucks when I go down south, honest to God. But literally, when I lived down south, one of the things I didn't like about it was because there was a palatable, you could feel it in the air, tension between ignorant white people and black people. And um, I just think that's just the state of affairs in the South. And when you come from the North and you're raised in the North and you see that down there, it's it's very disconcerting, it's disheartening, and it's fucked up. It really is. The black people don't trust or like the white people down there and vice versa. We all, we all got along. We had to. We worked together. But the level of comfort in just community I see in the Boston area, in the Northeast where I grew up. Does racism exist? Yeah, but it's a lot more quiet and subtle, okay? Down South, it was blatant, out in the open. You could cut it with a knife. And from somebody who isn't racist, whose heart bleeds for other people, especially the black community, I fucking hate that shit. I really do. But anyways... I was living in South Carolina. Um, I had not started my stand-up career at that point. And I'm really kicking myself in the ass for not. Because one of my good buddies, who I still talk to this day, he was getting his comedy start in stand-up the exact time that I met him and my friend met him when we were living in South Carolina for those two years. But for some reason, I never remember going to see his stand-up. I just, for some reason, wasn't focused on stand-up. I was focused on uh, my food and beverage management career when I was down there and uh, sleeping with as many women as possible. Uh, those were my focuses. Um, but had I opened up my eyes, I could have got into the stand-up uh, game back in 04, been with another stand-up uh guy that I could have bounced bits off of and all kinds of shit. And there's a guy uh, named Darius. Uh, I'm sorry, Darius. I'm thinking of Darius Rucker. I don't know why. Dusty Slay. Anybody heard of Dusty Slay? Dusty Slay got his start the same exact time I was living in Charleston that my buddy John, who's a good friend of his, um, was also getting his start. The guy was doing open mics comedy stand-up all over charleston south carolina the exact same two years that i was living there and i could have been hanging out with this dude doing stand-up too now dusty is huge he's huge he's been on kimmel and all the night shows he's got specials coming out i was just on his uh, website uh, you know he's booked solid into march of 2020 the guy's killing it 
And he got his start with my buddy John in 04, right when I could have started. So I think about it, and it's like hindsight's always 2020, right? But just think about it. I could have started off doing my stand-up around two other great comics, one of which is super successful right now, and I would have been right there. And I would have had, uh, what, that 13 years of experience now, 16 years of experience under my belt. And who knows, I might be just as popular, if not more popular than, uh, you know, than Dusty is. But man, I tell you, um, I might have even met Dusty, um, because he was hanging out with my friend Brian and John, uh, and John was the guy doing uh, stand-up, and John and Dusty are still close friends. I'm close with John, and uh, yeah, I just learned about Dusty the other night. I hit Dusty up on uh, Instagram, and I just think it's uh, I just think it's just it's too funny. I'm experiencing that almost every day in my life now that I'm 40, and I'm like, fuck, man, I wish I knew about that 20 years ago, or fuck, I wish this existed 20 years ago, or why the hell didn't I get into this business or that 20 years ago? Why? Because nobody guided me, nobody told me, or maybe I didn't listen, but that's why I'm so adamant now about telling parents and about telling younger kids who are 12, 13, experience everything you can, man. Check out sports, check out science, expose your kids to as much as they can so they can find what they're passionate about so they can start start off young you know if your kid you know you introduce them to a lot of different shit and they're passionate about wanting to become a pilot it's never too soon to start preparing yourself to be a pilot okay uh if you want to fly uh you know f-16 fighter jets for uh you know the air force um, I'm not going to tell you that that's an easy job to get. Um, somebody very close to me who had all the experience, connections, education, and all that, um, that you would need to be a fighter pilot and he even, he couldn't get in. So when you see the, uh, commercial for the air force and you say, oh yeah, I'm just going to sign up for the air force. And you know, six months later, I'm going to be flying a, a fucking stealth fighter. <laughs> Sorry. Ain't going to happen, buddy. Because I know people, officers in the military that went to military school that got letters of, of recommendations from high-ranking politicians and government officials, went to military school, graduated with honors, and they still couldn't get into the Air Force Academy to fly jets. Okay? And they had literally the most perfect resume. So when you see that commercial, you know, be all you can be, join the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines... Join Space Force and you can come fly UFO for the government. No, you can't. I'm not saying that they won't stick you as a pilot. Maybe in one of those cargo planes flying, you know, flying rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. But, uh, yeah, if you think you're just going to sign up for the uh, armed forces and a couple years later you're just going to be cruising around in an $80 million fighter jet. Sorry, buddy. I'm bursting your bubble right now. However, if you wanted to become an aircraft mechanic or any of that shit. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about that soon and what got me on the whole aircraft mechanic thing. But I'm telling you, there are so many cool jobs that I had no idea existed when I was younger. That if I was exposed to them or knew about them, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Um, so yeah, man. Um, listen to this. So I have an iPhone 6S Plus, And I know that's old school, right? 
Oh my god, John, that iPhone is so, like, three years ago. What are you fucking still doing with it? Well, you know what? I paid the fucker off, right? And these things aren't cheap. I don't have fuck you money, right? These things aren't cheap, you know? Uh, they're, what, $1,200? Do you just have $1,200 just burning a hole in your pocket? I know a lot of people do. A lot of people have fuck you money, where $1,000 is literally... Uh, like about a dollar to me. We're just a thousand dollars is just like nothing. Okay. The last person I heard had fuck you money uh, was actually Joe Rogan yesterday. Joe Rogan uh, did a, uh, he posted something on Twitter and it was a link to an animated video that one of his fans did about why Joe Rogan is the best podcaster. And he is, he's the best interviewer, best podcaster, um, without a doubt, huge influence on me. Right. But Joe Rogan has fuck you money. And what is fuck you money? Fuck you money is just having enough money to basically just say fuck you. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you want to go buy a $125,000 2020 Range Rover Sport autobiography, you know, VSR edition that's like 140 grand? That's fuck you money. He could walk into that uh, Range Rover dealer right now in cash like you were just paying for your lunch. That's fuck you money. Any car you've ever dreamed of, you can walk down to your local dealer in LA with cash. Cash. You ain't fucking leasing that bitch. You ain't fucking financing that shit for 2.9%, right? 2.9% APR for 72 months. No, fuck. Those guys are throwing down cash, bro. In cash. You know... Even on a $300,000 car. It's cash, bro. That's fuck you money. You know? You got people like me that walk into a BMW dealership or whatever. You know, we got to fucking finance, put down five, ten grand. We're fucking blowing out our life savings. That is fuck you money to be able to walk into a Bugatti dealer, a fucking Veyron. Uh, same car, right? Uh, a McLaren dealer. Uh, Mercedes, AMG, I don't give a fuck, Lamborghini, you want one of those new Lamborghini Urus fucking SUVs that goes 0 to 60 in like half a second, 400 grand, dudes like Rogan dude, he can just decide, yeah, I, I fucking want that, and literally, like it's $5 to you, he just goes down to that dealer and just slaps that fucking cash down, boom, doesn't even miss it out of his bank account, it's like fucking pocket change, that is fuck you money. So when the new iPhone 12 or iPhone 11 Max Pro fucking 512 trillion fucking, you know, gazillion byte phone comes out and it's like 1800 bucks, you know what $1,800 is to a millionaire? It's pocket change, bro. So when these new iPhones come out, you know, I want to know how many probably thousands of people living in and around this Los Angeles that have fuck you money that had a perfectly good let's say iPhone 10 something right and then the new iPhone 11 Max Plus comes out right with the fucking 20 inch screen right and it's like $1800 for the pro model even though all they do is just text and fuck around right they just walk into that store and it's just that $1,800 for them is like you putting change in a fucking parking meter. It's pocket change to them, bro. A new iPhone is just pocket fucking change, right? 
I can't imagine what it must be like to have fuck you money. Because I'm rocking an iPhone 6S Plus, right? And that bitch is like three, four years old. And I swear to God, these Apple products, right? I think they're built to self-destruct. Once they know that your two-year payment plan and you've paid that thing off, I, I swear to God, it's there's like a self-destruct uh, chip inside of this shit, right? As soon as you're done paying off that fucking iPhone, that thing's going to start just fucking up, right? And that's what my phone's been doing. My phone is acting like an asshole, right? But, all right, I'll admit, I don't just want an iPhone 11. I want the Pro. And I just don't want the Pro. I gotta have that Pro fucking Max, bro. Because that 5.8-inch screen on the Pro, it's just not fuck you enough. I gotta have that 6.5-inch screen, bro. You know? I gotta have that 7 tenths of an inch more. I do. And it's only two more dollars a month, right? But even if I trade in my 6S Plus, right? It's going to cost me a whopping 27 more dollars a month. And you're probably thinking to yourself, John, $27 a month? That's like a cup of coffee a day. Yeah, it adds up, right? I don't have fuck you money. Jesus Christ. The phone, if I paid cash for it, it's like, what, $1,200? For an iPhone 11 Pro Max, just a 64 gig. I don't need the 512 gig. I use iCloud. You have iCloud, you don't need all that gigs, all right? But yeah, $1,200. Now, $1,200 to me, do I have that in the bank? Okay, yeah, I got $1,200 in the bank, but am I just going to go blow $1,200 on a fucking phone? No! But if you have fuck you money, or not even fuck you money, if let's say you're making 300 grand a year or 500 grand a year, 800 grand a year, a million a year, you got money, bro. You can go down to the fucking store, plop down cash for that iPhone or put it on your credit card when that bill comes in, you just pay the whole credit card bill off, right? I don't have that level of money. I'd like to. I really would. But it doesn't mean I'm going to go out and just spend it on fuck you things, you know? The only reason I need a new iPhone is because my 6S Plus is acting like a bitch. It's self-destructing, right? There's not a scratch on it. It still looks brand new. I take care of my shit, right? There's no viruses on it. It's never been dropped, never been fucking dropped in the toilet, right? None of that shit. But yet, as soon as you're done paying that fucker off, it's like clockwork, right? The battery level just, you know, the battery life lasts like an hour now instead of the whole day, you know? I swear to God, Apple has put in some kind of self-destruct uh, chip inside of the iPhone. So when so when it knows you've paid the phone off or it thinks it's time that you have to, you know, I think that was Steve Jobs' last uh, fuck you right before he died. He's like, literally, these people know that I've implanted some kind of a chip in there that's going to automatically make your phone malfunction the second we've detected you've, you're done paying it off. <laughs> So yeah, that's my theory. So yeah, I need a new iPhone. But I haven't figured out how I'm going to pay for it. Because I just don't have that fuck you money. And I think about people that have fuck you money, right? How many billionaires are, are there on this planet? It's like, I can't, I can't remember. Billionaires. Billionaires. Now, do you think a billionaire that literally has a billion dollars in their bank account would even notice... If $1,200 came out of their account to get me a new iPhone, right? Think about it. 
Think about $1 billion. That's a million more dollars than $999 million. Okay? So when you look at all that money, $1,100, not even a million, that's pocket change, bro. That's literally like me pulling out a, a dollar to get my kid a 99-cent McFlurry or some shit, right? That's pocket change, bro, to a millionaire or a billionaire. Pocket change. But it seems like the more peop, uh, the more money some people have, right, they just get more frugal with it. And that's a, another thing, man. If I ever have fuck you money, call me out on it. Say, hey, John, you finally got some of that fuck you money. Can I get some? And if you got a good enough reason, I'll probably send you the fucking money. What am I going to do? Get buried with my money? I'm going to make sure I have enough squirreled away for retirement to make sure family and any kids I have or any wife that doesn't take it in the divorce is set, right? Want to make sure any kids or my kids' kids have enough money to go to college and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm donating it to charity. I see somebody struggling on the street needing a new iPhone, right? There you go, buddy. Here's your $1,200. Go get yourself an iPhone and a, and a 40 right? A lot of panhandles, panhandlers around here, man. And I'm, I'm pretty fucking torn about those guys, right? Because they stand out in front of a, like a business all day long with a sign saying, give me money. But then I think to myself, there's a McDonald's right behind you. And minimum wage in this state, I think is up to 10 or 11 or even $12 an hour. That's $12 an hour, bro. God damn, even in the late 90s, when I first got out of college, making $15, $16 an hour was a lot of fucking money. Now, minimum wage is $12 an hour, bro. But you're going to stand there all day with a sign begging for money? Why don't you turn around and walk into that McDonald's? They'll fucking hire you. Think about it. If you Let's say you're homeless for some reason, right? I don't know why you're homeless, but let's say you are. $12 an hour. Working 40 hours a week. What, $440 a week? And you're going to try to hit me up for some spare change after I just walked out of the grocery store? Getting groceries that I had to get to survive? I mean, I get it. You got spare change? You want to help out a fellow human? Great. But when I see the same fucking guy standing in front of a McDonald's all day long with a sign saying, help me, right? The guy's not handicapped. I don't know why he's homeless. I hate to fucking speculate, but with the way that heroin is nowadays with the uh, white community, right? It's probably heroin. It seems like every fucking white person is either hooked on some aspect of painkillers or fucking heroin these days. Um, it's tragic. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Um, but anyways, panhandlers, man. I mean, I get it. I've never been homeless, but I can imagine it's fucked and it's scary, right? But I've never been homeless, but I've had my back up against the wall several times in life. And I find a way out of it. We lay in the beds that we make for ourselves. I know some people are dealt just really fucking bad hands in life. Just over and over and over again. But you got two choices. You can either fucking ring out or ring in, right? 
If you're going to ring out, ring out. But if you're going to stay in the fucking ring, then just fuck. What can you do? What can you do? Go pound the pavement and find a fucking job. McDonald's is right behind you. They pay $12 an hour. They'll hire anybody with a pulse. So quit standing in front of a fucking traffic light with a sign saying, give me money when you can walk right behind you and make, you know, $12 an hour, eight hours. That's like $100 a day you can make working at fucking McDonald's. But why? Why doesn't he work at McDonald's? Because I bet you the guy, when he stands there for eight hours a day, probably makes $200. Because there's enough fucking idiots out here that'll keep giving the guy a dollar every time they pull up to the light. Oh, here's a dollar, sir. Here's five dollars. Oh, here's ten dollars, sir. Here's a forty, sir. Here's some whatever. You know? That's why this guy's rocking fucking shoes that are more expensive than I got on. Right? This guy doesn't want to work at fucking McDonald's making $12 an hour because he's making fucking $20 an hour standing there getting your fucking money with a sign saying, please help me, I'm homeless. Holy shit. I guess I need to quit my job, right? That's a good idea. Maybe I can make 80, 90 grand a year by making a sign that says I'm homeless, right? And this isn't to say that there aren't real people out there struggling, but bro... I see you in your designer jeans, your fuck you Nikes on, you know, your Rolex watch, holding a sign that says I'm homeless. You're not handicapped. You don't look like you're mentally deficient in any way because you're out there every day. But there's a McDonald's behind you. There's a stop and shop. Those guys pay $12 an hour and they will hire a chimpanzee. But why won't the guy work there? I keep saying it. Because he's making like two bills a day taking your money. All you suckers. Oh, here's an extra dollar for the homeless guy. That's what I'm saying, bro. There are good and bad people taking advantage of the situation in every aspect of life. There are definitely homeless people out there that are truly homeless and truly fucking bumming that need your help, right? But at the same time, there are people that aren't really homeless that are making $200 a day because you can't tell the difference. There is somebody in every aspect of every aspect of anything on this planet that is in it for the wrong reasons, just to take advantage you give somebody a fucking inch, they take a mile, right? So, yeah, that's that rant. But, yeah, I need a new iPhone, and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. And then that got me thinking about having fuck you money. I would love to have fuck you. Oh, f never mind fuck you money. Just enough money to where I want to go get a new iPhone. Not because I want it, but because I actually need it because my current one is dying. I can take $1,200 out of the bank. And I'm not going to be like, eh, you know, no problem. You know, 1200 bucks. Eh, I got it. All right. No problem. F fuck no, man. Johnny's got to figure out a payment plan for that bitch, right? Sorry. You know, then it's like, eh, it's only another 26, 67 a month. Eh, yeah, well, when you're already paying over, you know, thousands of dollars a month in bills, this shit adds up, right? And you, you just start a new production company like I did? You think all that shit's free? Trademarking names, fucking building websites, paying for hosting, uploading, you know, podcast, fucking material, work, and you know, all that other shit. Shit costs money, bro. 
the fucking microphone I'm speaking into right now is like a $400 microphone. That's just the microphone. Never mind the fuck you iMac that I got connected to it, right? Or the fucking mixer and all the boxes. Jesus, man, I tell you. You know, I guess you got to make money. Or you got to spend it to make it, right? But, uh, yeah, when you don't have a lot of money or fuck you money and you need to spend it, you know, what are you going to do? You got a few options, right? To dig yourself deeper into debt on that credit card or pull that cash out of your savings. And when it, you know, when it, when it comes to $1,200 for a phone, really? $1,200? What happens if your windows blow out in your house? You got to buy, buy a new roof or, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a phone, bro. $1,200. But when you have fuck you money, it's just like, whatever. Amazing. So listen to this. One thing i uh, always been very fascinated with, right, is the paranormal. Ghosts, other dimensions, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, all that kind of shit, right? It's fascinating to me. It is. How could you not be fascinated by it? It's freaky, isn't it? And I believe in it. I have never had a paranormal experience in my life. I have never seen a ghost. Nothing. Have I had some weird experiences in my house? Yes. But could I rationalize all of them with some common sense? Yes. Okay? Not everything is paranormal. However, do I believe that paranormal is real? Yes. And what do I mean by paranormal? Well, the definition of paranormal is, uh, you know, something crazy that happens that just modern science can't explain, right? So I definitely think that people have had paranormal experiences where they see a ghost in their house or they see a legitimate object move on its own for no fucking reason. Or let's say a ball of light that just floats through the air. That kind of shit is a little bit harder to debunk, right, than a noise or a bump or a bang or claiming you're fucking possessed, right, or some shit like that, right? So I definitely believe in it. And if you don't, I feel sorry for you because this world is just, it's not so black and white, okay? There is something to ghosts. And I'm not saying ghosts are dead people or demons or that the paranormal is even the dead or another dimension or another world that's like, right next to ours that we can kind of hear and see sometimes that's kind of what i think it is there's something to it our bodies are made up of energy our souls are energy it's a it's a fact that when the human body dies uh we lose weight and that's not because your bowels just evacuated you ever hear about that evidently when you die no matter what you die from the first thing you do is like your bowels just go you basically shit yourself when you die. So I'm not looking forward to dying for several reasons, but that would be one of the main ones is, well, I'll be dead. I won't care, but I, I'm not looking forward to shitting myself when I pass. Okay. But uh, yeah, that is not the reason that we get lighter. Okay. Um, this isn't science fiction, people. Okay. Our bodies are made up of energy. There is energy inside of us, our soul, who we are our personality, right? That is energy. We are, our bodies are just meat puppets. We are just a meat puppet. We're a vehicle. We're like a car. Our personality, our soul is what's controlling this meat puppet, which is our body. We're like, 
our soul is the driver that's in a car and, and the vehicle is our body. That's all our bodies are, our meat puppets. Our soul, our personality, who we are is what's controlling this meat puppet, right? And when this meat puppet of a body that we have dies, our soul, our personality, who we are, moves into a different state of consciousness. We no longer have a physical body, but we do move on to a different state of being in consciousness. Okay? That is real, my friends. There is life after death. Exactly how that life looks and feels, smells and sounds, we don't know. But there is life after death. But I'm also a hardcore believer that if you take your own life because you think it's going to be better dead, I don't think you're going to be I don't think you're going to be happy. Because if you think taking your own life, you're just going to fall asleep forever or you're going to wake up in heaven, I don't buy that. I was raised Catholic, but I don't practice Catholicism. I don't necessarily buy Catholicism. I believe that Jesus Christ was a real person. I believe he walked to the earth. But in terms of what the Bibles say about him and uh, the burning bush and the Virgin Mary and all the other stuff, I'm sorry. I'm a man of kind of needing fact. But I do believe in God. I believe there is a God. God is not a person. It is not a man. It is not a woman. It is not a toaster. God is just... You can't think of God as being like a person. It's not a dude. It's not a human. God is just, uh, I don't even, God isn't even a, it, an entity. It's just, God is the creator. Look at how complicated life is and the planets are in the solar system. How complicated uh, the human body is. There was a master architect to this people, okay? This shit just didn't happen. There was a master architect if you look at the complexity of the planet and everything that's here, and just all of it, you cannot be that naive to just say there was just a bang and boop, we're here, we're here. There's no fucking way. There is a master intelligence. I don't know what that intelligence is. It's not human. It's not alien. It, it's just a being of some sort. That is God. And I believe God sees and hears everything. I also believe it's a distinct possibility that when God felt like humanity was at the right time, that he might have sent a human messenger to speak on his behalf, and that was Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it didn't happen or couldn't happen. I believe Jesus Christ was real. He was definitely a real guy, right? I believe that. However, one of the things they preach in Catholicism, and maybe even other uh, you know, uh, different forms of religion, is there's a heaven and a hell, right? And I don't know if I buy that. But they always said that, you know, committing suicide was one of the worst things you could do. It was like an F you to God who gave you the gift of life. And life is a gift. It may not seem like it sometimes, but I feel really sorry for you if you do not think that life is a gift. Just stop for a second. As crazy or as fucked up as your life might get, life is a gift, bro. And it's going by real, real fucking fast. 
we are just hurling right now towards our death quicker and quicker and quicker. That's why you have got to live every fucking day and appreciate it, man. But I'm telling you, if, if you get to the point where you feel suicidal, don't, okay? Because if you think you're going to go to sleep forever and just end the pain that you think you're in, it ain't going to happen. And I truly believe that those who commit suicide go to a place like hell. That is something that they beat into us. Uh, you know, in uh, Sunday school when I was raised Catholic. But uh, I tend to kind of believe that. I believe that taking your own life is like the ultimate middle finger to God who gave you that gift. And um, it's really fucked up and sad to think about. This is supposed to be a comedic uh, podcast, or it's supposed to be, but I can't help but talk about some of this shit because this stuff really fascinates me. But seriously, dude, I really think that um, if you take your own life, that you're not going to be in heaven, you're not going to pass on to that next life, that you could very well end up in a hellish place where you literally feel like you're burning, being burnt alive for eternity. And I ain't taking that fucking chance. I don't think anybody should. Um, it's such a tragedy that anybody thinks that suicide would be the answer because it never is. And I'm telling you that life is beautiful, even when it doesn't seem like it. And there are so much to live for. But I'm telling you that um, really never even remotely think about taking your own life. And just live, okay? Life is a gift. But um, I do believe there's an afterlife. I truly do. But I believe it's something that's so special and amazing that we just cannot possibly comprehend it. And I do believe that God sees everything. I do believe that we get judged on how much we made an impact in, uh, on the world, on other people's lives, and, our, and on our own. It, and I'm telling you, if you've ever wanted to know more about the afterlife, more about aliens, more about other planets, anything... The information is out there. The real information. I talked about this on Monday's podcast. If you're going to rely on just the nightly news to fill you in on everything that the world has to offer, you're going to miss 99.9% .9 of it. Okay? The nightly news is a program. It works on ratings. They want good ratings. So out of the 10 billion news stories that happen today... The news, which is a business, is going to pick the five or six most extreme, um, you know, new uh, news stories to report on, and then they're going to really, you know, make those reports as as crazy as they can because bad news sells, right? Nobody wants good news. Everybody wants the bad news, right? So they're going to pick out out of the ten billion stories that happen today, five billion great, five billion bad. They're going to pick five of the worst bad stories to tell you on the news tonight, and you think that's all there is out there, and it's not. When is there going to be a news station that's just all good news stories? I'll watch that at night, because good news happens every day in this country. There are success stories that would make you cry because you're so happy for that other person. Thousands or millions of those stories happen every day, but you're never going to hear about it. People still don't think UFOs exist, but the government came out and said it and showed us proof two years ago. 
but you don't see it on the news every night, so people just forget about it. But if you look for it, if you want to know what happens when we die, there are some pretty good ideas out there now from fucking scientists, all right? And that's why I'm kind of explaining it to you. There is an afterlife. There is a consciousness beyond this world, all right? And I believe that when we pass on into that consciousness, we can then look kind of back on uh, this world in dimension that we're in right now. And there very well could be some ways that the dead or even um, demons or spirits or whatever that have never walked the earth that are kind of in this same dimension as as the dead. And some of these beings or the dead can actually manipulate the environment in our world. I think that's basically how it is. It's, it's that simple. But it's not anywhere near as hardcore as they make it out to be on TV. And it ties just right into the news story I was just talking to you about, right? So paranormal TV shows started coming out, I want to say, late 90s, early 2000s. The first show I can ever remember doing it was Ghost Hunters. Uh, TAPS, right? Uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, TAPS. They were based out of Rhode Island. Uh, Jason Hawes, right? Um, Steve Gonsalves, Dave Tango, those guys, right? Those guys were the very first to do it. And then I want to say right around the same time, it was my fucking most hated man on the planet, Zach Bagans and his ghost adventures bullshit, right? So anyways, dude, I used to be into these shows 20 years ago because part of me wanted to believe what I was seeing was real. And now I don't. Why don't I? Because it's TV, right? A real paranormal investigation, if I were to take you on one tonight, would be extremely boring for you on TV. And every TV show, remember, is a business and they're working on ratings. So if you have a paranormal show where they aren't catching fucking demons popping out of people's assholes, right? It's going to get bad ratings. So when you take a look at Zach Bagan's latest uh, fucking uh, ghost adventures show, it is so over the top, it is now mocking a science. Every investigation they go on now is something demonic where the devil is literally crawling out of somebody's asshole, right? And they're catching all this crazy fucking shit. But I've explained to you like I did on the last podcast, it's a magic show. It's for TV entertainment. The guy is a scam artist. He is. I'm willing to... As God is my witness, I would put all of my money I've ever made on the table right now to say that 99.9% .9 of all the material that they have ever released is fake or wrong. Okay? Uh, some of the reactions that the guys have where they jump and it really seems like they jump, I'm sure they do. Because sounds are being made in that building that they're in that they don't know are coming. But I believe they're being made by the production team. So they get real reactions out of these people. I told you, all the equipment that they use, these ghost hunting equipment, 
that you can't even buy in a store. They're all gadgets that are made by someone that doesn't even fucking believe in ghosts. And any one of these machines this guy is building can be preloaded with EVPs. It can be preloaded with uh, all sorts of different shit. It's laughable, dude. You're laughable. But I'm going to tell you where it gets worse, okay? The guys that I really respected, like I was just talking about, those TAPS guys, they were the guys to start it all out in the mid-90s. Uh, Ghost Hunters, I believe it was. It was the very first show. Um, I can't remember now what station. That Maybe A&E was the first one to do it with them. But they were the, they were the originators, and they were the best. And um, I think I started to stop watching them around 03, 04, because even they started to get ridiculous. And now I started to question everything they were doing. But again, it's a TV show. It's a business. It's for ratings, okay? But a real paranormal investigation most of the time, okay, it's boring and nothing happens. And you're not going to sit there for an hour through all those commercials and watch something boring, right, where nothing's happening. They have to make it entertaining, or else you're not going to watch it. But then they call it reality TV. That is not reality. Nothing about that show is reality. In this new show, okay, it's called Ghost Nation. It's pretty much this, it's three out of the same four guys that started Ghost Hunters, that TAPS organization out of Rhode Island, okay? And... As much as I cannot stand these paranormal shows now, not because I don't believe in it, but because I do not believe in the TV shows. And, they, and they're stupid. And I'm going to give you a prime example to the point where I was literally screaming at the TV last night. Alright, so the name of their new show is called Ghost Nation. It's on the Travel Channel, right? And I'm telling you, dude, all they were fixated on in this uh, first episode was a couple that claimed that their house was super haunted, right? Super haunted. They were seeing ghosts, shit was moving all around, but of course when they get there and the cameras are there, there ain't shit ever, right? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The only evidence they kept focusing on was there was a remote control car that kept moving on its own. Now, let's use some logic and common sense, okay? Remote control car keeps moving. Remote control car keeps moving. They only asked once in the hour show where the remote control was, and the homeowner said, uh, we don't know. Okay. Okay, let's just pretend that the remote control really is missing for this remote control car. All right. The next thing is, right, it's a remote control that controls a car using a radio frequency. The car has batteries in it. Do you think, do you think they once tried to remove the batteries from the car to see if the car would still move? Tell me that isn't the logical, common sense first step. If I am a paranormal investigator, because I wanted to be a, a cop, um, I really did. I came close two times in my life. I've always wanted to be a police officer. I am a huge, huge law enforcement uh, supporter. Um, but I just have that mentality. I have a detective mentality. 
And uh, had I been hired in 2003, like I should have been here, um, I would have been a detective by now, by several years. And um, when I turn on my detective cap, okay, let's say I'm just a regular police detective, but I'm going to somebody's haunted house. And they say, okay, here's my proof. This remote control car keeps moving on its own. I'd say, okay, where is the remote control? Oh, we lost it. All right, I find that suspicious. Okay, then I see the car does move on its own, just randomly. They say, hey, uh, ghost, can you move that car? And then two seconds later, it'll just, it'll go, and it'll just move, right? Well, well, the first thing I'm thinking is like, somebody has to have that fucking remote. Don't tell me the remote is just gone. Something wirelessly is controlling that car. But the, like I just said, the next logical step would be to remove the batteries from the car. Because if I remove those batteries and the car still moves, now it can be possibly paranormal, right? But they didn't. They didn't even fucking mention it. How is that possible? I mean, honest to God, I, I, was, I was screaming at the TV like, Oh, but take out the fucking batteries! Seriously, how can anybody in their right mind... And I seriously... I'm so fired up about this, I think I want to actually hit one of those guys up on Instagram and just ask them that question. And I guarantee they won't get back to me because they're fucking pussies, right? But just answer me that. How can you release a TV show that's got that's that flawed where your only proof of the paranormal is a remote control car that moves, but you claim that nobody has the remote and you don't think enough to try taking out the batteries that's in the car? They didn't. Not once. They put fresh batteries in it. But tell me, so that, that would be the first thing I would do as a, de as a detective. You tell me you don't have the remote, I would be suspicious of that. Then I would see the car move on its own after you just asked it to. Okay, I'm going to take the batteries out. Now tell the car to move. If the car don't move without the batteries in it, then it ain't paranormal. Sorry. Because those old toy remote control cars, they operate off of a signal right like a radio wave like megahertz right the same kind of signal that a lot of that your garage door opener is tuned into um a lot of different remote control things uh even your tv remote could re could be moving a remote control car okay that car because it has the batteries in it is picking up some kind of signal either from the remote which somebody has hidden somewhere, or maybe that remote control, right, is in the bottom of a toy chest, and uh, occasionally that toy chest kind of moves around, and that's what moves the car. But this car, they didn't test it once to see if it would move without the batteries in it. And that would debunk it right there. If the car still moved with no batteries in it, then okay, then maybe we have something paranormal. But you keep saying, "Oh, this has to be paranormal. The car moves, and it's it's not our it's not our walkie-talkie making it move." Uh, they went out and bought another toy car to see if that toy's ca toy car's uh, remote control would do it. And it's like, no, dude, it, it ain't. If it's not on the same fucking frequency, but how could you be that stupid? Honest to God. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm hoping this is funny to you. You know, because when people get ranted up, I get, I get, you know, I get uh, amused when people get ranted up about stupid shit. But this is how stupid it is. 
their whole basis of this show was look at the paranormal activity we caught on tape. This toy car moves. This remote control car moves. Well, where's the remote? We don't know. You mean you couldn't be holding that fucking thing off camera? Bullshit. Take the fucking batteries out. They didn't mention it once. That's why the show is 100% bullshit. Because I guarantee you, if you took the batteries out, that fucking car wouldn't have moved an inch. And you got all these people say, Ooh, look at the paranormal exists. The car moved. No, it didn't. It's TV. If they went to some farmhouse that was supposedly haunted and they didn't catch a single noise or a single anything, they wouldn't have a TV show. Nobody would watch it. And when you're talking about real paranormal stuff, it doesn't happen as frequently and as hardcore as it's depicted. It's, it's to sell you, folks. It's to keep you interested. It's to keep you tuned into the station so the commercials that they play can you know, bring ad revenue. It's not real. The paranormal is real. There definitely are ghosts. There's definitely demons. People get fucking possessed. But these paranormal TV shows, every fucking one of them, bullshit, garbage. You heard it here first. And I'm telling you, if any of these fucking guys, I don't give a fuck who you are. If you run any kind of a paranormal group, invite me out on an investigation. I'll come out with a complete open mind. I really will. I won't talk shit. I won't make fun. I'll come out there with an open mind. But any kind of a strange fucking noise we see or hear or any of that bullshit, I'm not thinking it's paranormal. Noises happen. If you bring anybody into a dark, pitch dark, old, abandoned building, and then you fill their head up with bullshit like it's fucking haunted with fucking devils and demons, of course, any sound that you hear in that fucking building, you're going to be like, <gasps> right? You're working yourself up, bro. And then another aspect of this shit is, um, I was watching another one recently where they say, oh, it's really commonplace for people when there's heavy paranormal activity around for them to feel sick and like they're going to puke. No. You know what that is, bro? It's called a fucking panic or anxiety attack. You're giving yourself a panic or anxiety attack. And you know what a panic or anxiety attack feels like? I've had them. You feel like your fucking, your world is ending, bro. You don't know whether you're going to shit yourself or puke or at the same time. You feel ill. But once that panic or anxiety passes, you're fine. So these people go out to the Blair Witch fucking house, right? They get themselves all worked up and they're like, Oh, bro, there's so much activity, I feel sick. Oh, yeah, that happens around ghosts. No, it don't. You're giving yourself a fucking panic attack, you dumb fuck. Jesus Christ. And people buy this shit, hook, line, and sinker. And this is why I'm trying to wake you up, people. Think for yourselves. Start thinking with some logic. You know? There's a reasonable explanation for shit. But when I run out of reasonable explanations for stuff, I kind of start believing it. And let me tell you, that's why I'm telling you that there are truly crazy fucking aircraft flying around our skies right now that are using gravity as propulsion. That's a fact. You can't deny that at this point. I can't. I've tried to. I've tried to find holes in it. I've tried to debunk it. It's fucking impossible at this point. And I don't believe shit. So when I tell you I believe something, like the alien invasion theory that's going to be staged, I believe it. Mark my words, right? In the next one to three years, there is going to be an alien invasion, but it's going to be staged, people. And they're going to stage it because they want to now make you afraid to leave the planet. 
They want you on this planet under their thumb, under your control. When you find out that we have um, interdimensional or you know intergalaxy spacecraft that can get us to Alpha Centauri in a couple of minutes because we're using uh, um, gravity waves and we're basically bending the space-time continuum to get someplace. Um, when that technology becomes commonplace, or common knowledge, which it's starting to. We have the technology. The aliens have the technology. It's flying around our skies. It's going to be well known soon. But when that technology comes out and people can just step onto a contraption and all of a sudden be uh, 55 light years away from here, they don't, they don't want you to do that. They want you here on this planet where they have control over every fucking aspect of your life. I even heard recently that Mars is a green planet with water and shrubs and grass and a fucking atmosphere. That Mars rover, every picture that gets taken from that Mars rover, when it gets sent back to Earth, goes through a top-secret government lab, I think that's in San Diego, and then it goes to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, where they then release it to the public. But evidently, there is a fucking atmosphere on Mars. They put a red filter on all of the uh, pictures. They digitally edit out any trees or water. But there are people, and there is a base, and there is a fucking atmosphere on Mars. There is a gigantic base, I'm hearing, on the back side of the moon. And that the moon, on a certain ass part of it, has a little bit of an atmosphere as well. I believe it at this point. Why do I believe it? Because the government, like the world government, wants you under control. Power is knowledge, right? Knowledge is power. They know everything. They want you to know very little. They want you to be afraid of aliens. They want you to be afraid of space travel, to think that Mars is an uninhabitable fucking planet, all right? Because when you think that and you're drinking their fucking Kool-Aid, you're under their control. And this whole new Trump force, this whole new, you know, outer space fucking army, it's in the same ballpark, bro. That's how they're going to get your tax dollars to pay for it, is they're going to fake, they're going to stage some kind of alien invasion. And I know it sounds fucking crazy, but just watch. Watch. Call me crazy now, but when it happens, you know, call me up and say, Jesus Christ, dude, how did you figure that? Why? Because I'm able to think with some common sense, and there's really nothing that I won't allow my brain to believe in. There, If you think our government isn't doing the most craziest fucking shit behind our, our backs, then you're just, you're more nuts than I am for thinking of it. You really are. If you think this whole world is black and white, the earth is fucking flat, right? There's no extraterrestrial life. We don't have advanced technology. You're an absolute fucking moron. You are. Because we already have the proof there is. Remember the other day I was talking to you about the stealth fighter. Have you seen that thing? That thing came out in the late 70s and it still looks like a fucking UFO. That thing was operational from 78 to 88 for 10 years protecting the United States. And nobody knew it. Nobody knew we even had it. To this day in 2019, you cannot photograph the back end of a 117, an F-117 stealth fighter. The exhaust on that is a top secret 
still. They div- they first flew that thing operationally in 78 and it is now 2019 and that aircraft still looks like a fucking UFO, right? In the exhaust outlets on it and how the exhaust works is still a classified top secret. Next time you have access to a military base or an air show and they happen to have a F- F- an F-117 there, see if you're asking it anywhere near behind that fucker and you won't be able to. Nobody can. I don't even know if the mechanics that work on those, uh, uh, they must. They must have a special group that works on those. But, um, yeah, man, I'm telling you, there's a buddy of mine who's uh, an aircraft mechanic for the Air National Guard. He works on F-15s. And uh, he knows every bolt, nut, and everything about that uh, jet. He could even fly the fucker if he wanted to. Obviously, you're not allowed to, but they hop in those cockpits all the time and start them up. He knows every bolt, nut, panel, everything, how those aircraft work. It's nuts. That's like an $80 million aircraft, right? So there's obviously aircraft mechanics that must work on the 117, the stealth. But I know that is a Skunk Works developed uh, jet, just like the SR-71 was, the U-2 spy plane. We don't know who Skunk Works is. Uh, Skunk Works is a division of Lockheed Martin, the aircraft builder, that was responsible for building our stealth fighters, the the B-2 bomber, um, the U-2 spy plane, the SR-71. Uh, those were super, super advanced aircraft. They still are. They were developed under uh, the top-secret uh, Lockheed Martin division called Skunk Works. And uh, Skunk Works is still building uh, new planes in 2019. We just don't know what the fuck they are. That's why I think some of these UFOs that we're seeing uh, could very well be the predecessor to the stealth fighter. Um, could be the predecessor to, uh, you know, the SR 71. So I think some of the UFO sightings we're seeing right now could very well be new. Uh, U.S. technology that's uh, just still classified. Because if you don't think that there were UFO photos taken of the uh, stealth fighter before anyone knew we had it, there was. Because when you look at that thing from the bottom, it's it's shaped almost like a perfect triangle. So if you were to see that thing humming over your house, let's say in like 1988 or 1986, when we didn't even know we had the fucking thing, and you took a picture of it from the upside, you know, from from the bottom it would look just like a UFO because it was shaped like a triangle. But it wasn't. It was a jet. So what do you think we have in 2019 that the government isn't telling us about? Right? That's all my point is. Okay? Don't be naive. Don't think that we're not experimenting with some crazy fucking shit, right? But yeah, dude, that whole ghost show is retarded. But I am going to give you one ghost show that is real. It is. It's 100% real. And this is why I love it. And this is why it's the best one out there. It is not your typical paranormal show where you got a bunch of idiots like Zach Bagan and his homies that go to some demon's house, right? And suck the devil's cock, right? With all these crazy instruments that you can't buy in stores. That ain't how it works, right? That's not real. That's not real paranormal. This show is. It's called Dead Files. And here's what Dead Files is. Dead Files, not a very great name, but Dead Files, um, it's hosted by two people. One is a world-renowned psychic, and I know what you're thinking about psychics, right? 
I know there's a lot of bullshit people out there that claim to be fucking psychic, but this girl, and believe me, believe me, I might be into a lot of conspiracies, but I just don't buy shit hook, line, and sinker. You know, you tell me something crazy, I'm going to say, no fucking way. But then I'm going to go research it, and I'm going to find out, and then I'll come to my own opinion. And I've come to this opinion. Amy Allen is her name. She's a psychic. She's real. She's real. There's some out there that claim to be, like that, you know, uh, that guy that used to, you know, do the faith healing, and he had the earpiece in his ear is all a bunch of bullshit he wasn't doing anything he was just reading people you know i forget that guy's name uh south park made fun of that guy recently on an episode uh john something right you know faith healer idiot that was wearing like a you know he was getting people's information and then making it seem like he could read their minds and shit this girl isn't like that amy allen she's not like that so somebody will call up the show and be like yo my house is haunted as fuck, right? And she'll go out there with her partner. And her partner is a retired New York City homicide detective. This guy is a no-bullshit New York ex-homicide detective. No bullshit, all right? So basically what happens is Amy gets brought to the house where the, wherever there's trouble, and she isn't told a fucking thing. She doesn't know what state she's in. She doesn't know where she's at. Everything inside the house is covered up so she can't see pictures. She can't see if she's in a kid's room. Uh, nothing. Everything is taken out of the house. And she is flown there blindfolded. And she walks through the house and she just uses her gift to, to see what, if anything, is residing in that house. Paranormal. And she's able to identify and even describe what's there. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's just a spirit that used to live in the house that likes still kind of acting like, you know, they still live in the real world, but they're not dangerous, you know? And other times she'll go someplace where, where she's like, bro, you got like 10 demons in this fucking house that, that are literally trying to, uh, like, kill your little girl. And she ain't bullshitting. And this is why I... Okay? So they don't go and do the investigating with the fucking noises and all the bullshit, right? She goes and does a walkthrough in a house and has no fucking clue where she is. And everything in the house is covered. That's a fact. And then the detective goes and acts like a real police detective because that's what he is. He's a New York City homicide cop. And he interviews these people like a detective, Forget about the fucking paranormal crazy shit. He, he fucking goes at it like a detective, like, like a police detective. And then he does real research. And then at the end, him and Amy come together without talking. And she's somehow, you know, about, I'd say, 80 to 90% of what the cop figures out through true investigation work, through documents and historical records and all that stuff, matches whatever Amy felt or saw in her head with her gift. And I'm going to give you one last example why this show is real, okay? Because the people that appear on this show, like the homeowners, okay, they're definitely not actors. And Amy and this other guy, they don't beat around the bush. Amy and this other guy have straight up freaked people out and told them that there is an unseen force in their house literally trying to murder their kid 
and then like the mother will just lose her shit. Who wouldn't? Now I'm telling you, if this was a fake show, do you think that they would tell people that and like literally destroy their lives? Like these people literally think their house is haunted and then she comes in and says, not only is it haunted, but you have a fucking demon that is like this close to possessing your little girl. And she's totally serious about it. And these people, they freak the fuck out. And wouldn't you? So that's why I'm thinking this, that, that you know, I'm, I'm good at un, 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 uncovering bullshit and seeing through it, right? And I've really tried to break this show down and try to find an angle of how it could be bullshit. But the way that they break people's hearts at the end of that show... Um, these people aren't crisis actors. There's no fucking way. Not even, not even Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, any of those fucking actors. Angelina Jolie, uh, Charlize Theron. None of them could act as good as these real people do when they find out that they got something like supernaturally fucked up in their house trying to harm their children. They literally break down for real. And I don't think a fake TV show is going to fuck with people like that. I truly don't. Plus, he's a New York City cop, very well respected. She's very well respected. Her gifts have been um, proven just over and over and over again with tests. And what kind of gift does she have? This is another thing I believe in. I think every human being was born with like a sixth sense, another sense beyond our five senses. We just don't know how to use it. We don't know how to activate it. It's like a function that's in our brain, but we don't know the path to tell ourselves to turn it on or off, and we don't know how to use it. However, some people are born with that ability already switched on in their brain. They just need to develop how to use it. True fact. Okay? Uh, every one of us has the ability to see the dead, speak to the dead, communicate with the dead. We all do. It's just a lot, most of us, that function is turned off in our brains, and we don't know how to turn it on. We don't know how to think, you know, go gadget, fucking brain go. You know, we, we don't know how to turn it on. But some people are born with it on. And she was one of the people that was born with it on. And I know you've seen it depicted in movies uh, like John Constantine, right? John Constantine, uh, you, know, you know, like realized he had gifts. Uh, growing up because he would see dead people and think he was fucking nuts until he realized um, that when he passed away for like a minute um, as a kid that uh, hell was very real and the devil was very real. Um, but yeah, the paranormal is real but these reality shows make a mockery of it and that latest one with the guys that pretty much created it, fucking Ghost Nation, I can't believe you guys were so stupid to where you didn't think to take out the batteries once. That blew the entire season, and that was your first episode. You just blew up all your credibility by releasing just the most horrible, blatantly obvious, stupid, fucked up uh, episode I've ever fucking seen, okay? You guys ruined it. So, congratulations. But if you are interested in watching a real, real paranormal show where they don't go into all the different sounds and bullshit, you're just going to hear a real psychic, 
I know you're not going to believe it, but she's fucking real. You're going to hear a real psychic tell real people what's inside their home because she's able to see it with her own eyes and sometimes communicate with it. And sometimes the shit she reveals is ill. I mean, really ill. And so ill to the point that these parents or whoever the homeowners are, they literally like have a fucking freak out on camera. And it's real. These people are not acting. They're getting told some ill new. Can you imagine? Just imagine one day, right? You're you're living in a home. You're married. You got two point two kids. The dog, white, right? And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, you start hearing uh, fucking banging noises coming from your attic. And you think it's a squirrel or the fucking house settling, but it's not. And then slowly but surely, the banging starts getting louder. And then you start seeing shit move around your house, right? And you're trying to fucking rationally think this out, like. Wait a minute, like, this cannot be happening. And then, all of a sudden, you uh, you see your daughter walk backwards up a wall. Right? Something you've only seen in horror movies, something you never... I mean, seriously, that fucking happens to people. I think sometimes people that are just rooted in logic sometimes get confronted with something so extraordinary that it's just right in front of you. And you're just like frozen because you cannot comprehend what the fuck you're experiencing or looking at i think that happens to people it really does i hope it never happens to me i seriously don't because i think i would be fucking freaked out i don't get freaked out over noises in my house uh the the place i'm living at right now i've been here almost 10 years uh if there was something paranormal here i would have experienced it are there occasional creaks and noises in the house yes but they they can all be explained right if there was something paranormal here i would know it but then again, hauntings can happen out of the clear blue. They say sometimes you can bring a haunting home. It's like stepping in the gum. So next time you want to go check out that uh, that haunted house or that haunted cemetery or that whatever, just know if you go to that haunted place, sometimes this shit can follow you back. Just like you stepped in some gum and now you just brought a fucking ghost into your house. So... I don't know. Maybe you should leave the ghost hunting to other people. But honest to God, if there's anybody out there, I think there are paranormal groups that exist in Massachusetts. Um, I think you're all bullshit. I truly do. And I would love to uh, test that theory on my own. So I call you out. Anybody. You have a paranormal group and you want to prove to me that the paranormal exists and that you're all just not fucking freaks? Invite me. I will go there with an open mind. But do not expect me to not call you out on any bullshit I see. Don't take the fucking, uh, you know, one of these ghost box around and uh, claim you hear fucking voices because it's scanning radio frequencies. As if those fucking voices couldn't be loaded into that fucking box that you have. Seriously, it's retarded. Why do you want to get into a, uh, you know, let's say metal detecting was fake, right? That metal detecting... That metal detecting didn't work, but people were just buying them and combing beaches. That's, that's like what you're doing. Why are you calling yourself a paranormal investigator when you're using all fake equipment? It's like having a fake uh, metal detector and walking up and down a beach. What's the fucking point of that? You're using a fucking, you know? Christ. The paranormal is real, but what you're doing isn't. So if you're really into the paranormal, why don't you go do some real paranormal shit? And I think maybe, it, you know, with the TV shows, it just it just all boils down to the money, right? Zach Bagans needs to buy himself another $300,000 car while his, while his buddy Aaron Goodwin, right, drives around a fucking minivan. 
even though they both do the same amount of work. That's oh god, I can't stand that prick. I tell you, Zach Bagans, I am coming to Las Vegas to your fucking haunted museum, and I am coming for you, my friend. Okay, I'm coming for you, buddy. I, I'm not making a threat. I'm just saying, uh, I, 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 I just want to meet you. I want to meet you. I do. I want to have you on my podcast. I want to call you out. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because someone's going to call you out? I think even Joe Rogan has tried to get that guy on his podcast. And the guy won't do it. Why won't he do it? Because he knows he's full of shit. And if he goes on a fucking podcast, right? Especially with somebody like Joe Rogan, he's going to get called out. And the guy is going to lose his fucking Ferraris. So, yeah. Pretty nutty, right? Pretty fucking nutty. But, uh, yeah, I've spent way too much time talking on this shit. I was supposed to spend a few minutes on each of these topics, and this is what's happened. All right, anyways, I'm excited as hell for the new Rick and Morty. Season 4. If you haven't seen Rick and Morty, I don't know what your problem is. I don't like adult cartoons. Can't you just look past the fact it's a cartoon, bro? Rick and Morty, I can't even describe... I, I, I can't put it into a category. It's comedy, it's drama, it's science fiction, it's... Rick and Morty makes me laugh, it makes me question reality my life there's morals to the story the fucking writing the animation the characters the voiceovers it's just phenomenal it's not a comedy like a south park or a family guy or something or simpsons okay it's it's different than that um like i said some episodes are fucked up it'll make you like walk away from the TV like, wow, you know, other times you're laughing your balls off, it, it, it's, it's, it's ingenious, this show, okay, and season four is finally almost here, okay, the 10th of November, I think they're, they said five new episodes coming the 10th of November, I don't know if that means the first episode starts on the 10th, or they're, or, or they're just going to release 10 right in a row, but um, they finally released a trailer, with some uh, clips of the upcoming season. And I'm so excited, all right? Uh, I was watching the trailer last night, and I must have rewound it ten times. Um, we see Poopy Butthole, right? Poopy Butthole is back. What a fucking great name for a character. Poopy Butthole. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Don, uh, Don, Dan, Dan Harmon. Thank you for coming up with Poopy Butthole. We see Morty wearing a Nazi uniform. Fighting with a me-seek. I saw two clips where the me-seeks were back. We get to see the, the me-seeks again. Yeah, can you help me take two strokes off my golf game? Sure can. Not Mr. Me-seeks. Look at me. Uh, Mr. Me-seeks, can you make me a professional stand-up comedian? Sure can. Look at me. So yeah, we see the fucking me seeks the back. Uh, I I I really want to know why Morty is in the passenger seat of their uh, of Rick's space mobile, with uh, the nuts and bolts guy in the back seat while he's wearing a Nazi World War II uniform with a gun in his hand wrestling with the me seeks. I cannot wait 
to see what the fuck that is all about, right? Um, what else did we see? I saw an apocalyptic summer. Um, remember where they go back to that apocalyptic world for that rock? And Morty has the giant arm that's alive that keeps beating people up. Um, I saw an apocalyptic uh, summer running around. Um, but yeah, some of the big questions I have that probably you guys have, everybody has these if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, is who is Evil Morty? Is Evil Morty Rick? Is he is he Rick's original Morty? Because you remember the Rick that's in the C-120 timeline that they're in right now. Um, the very first episode, season one, uh, Beth said he had been gone for like 20 years. Or for, you know, pretty much over old Morty as he had been gone, right? So obviously, whoever the Rick that was from that timeline, I don't know what happened to him, but that Rick slid into his place. And evil Morty, who has now been elected the head of the Citadel, which is another fucking thing. What's going to happen now? Uh, Rick and Morty, they were at Atlantis, right? During the Rick Lantis mix-up, when Rick and Morty uh, were off at Atlantis doing whatever that shit was, and uh, we saw what was happening at the Citadel, and uh, a Morty got elected president, and not just any Morty, the evil Morty, is now the president of the fucking Citadel. So who is evil Morty? It seems logical, right, that even that evil Morty is uh, possibly Rick's original Morty. But uh, Rick has made several um, statements over the uh, seasons that, uh, you know, um, a happy Morty is not good for anybody. Uh, a smart Morty isn't good. Uh, I think Rick is leading on to something. Rick is obviously versed in time travel and all that. I think Rick knows how Morty's going to turn out. And maybe, that I don't know. I think Morty probably ends up being as smart, maybe even smarter than, than Rick or Beth. Because um, obviously evil Morty... Look what he's doing. He's he's outsmarting Rick. The Rickest Rick, right? So, I cannot wait to see if that plot line gets revealed. Who is Evil Morty and what is happening at the Citadel? Um, another big thing is, is Beth a clone? Jerry said, I could make you a clone, Beth, and your family would not know the difference, and neither would the clone. And then if you ever chose to come back, I hit a button and you're just back. Nobody would ever fucking know. And you can just go and explore the universe for as long as you want. And we don't know whether Beth said yes or no. Beth, later on that day, after telling her father that she made her choice, didn't reveal what her choice was, but we see later on in the episode, and even the next episode, she keeps questioning, am I a clone or not? And, and you know, uh, Rick's like, no, you're not a clone. But is she? Because she wouldn't know. Because she even said, if I was the clone, would you tell me? And he's like, uh, no, I wouldn't. So did Beth take off? Or is Beth now a clone? A copy? I almost think she's a copy. Because you remember in that last uh, episode, the season three? We see a really happy Beth, and we see a really happy uh, Rick that steps out for some pizza through the portal gun. And Jerry's actually back in the house. Like, Beth's feeling sorry for Jerry again all of a sudden. I don't know. This could be a replacement Beth. But I'm hoping we get to see that. Another show I keep talking about, and you fucking people are idiots if you're not watching this show. Idiots! Emergence. It's on ABC. If you have cable, 
it's probably on demand. They are four episodes in. It would probably take you a couple hours to catch up on all four episodes, but the fucking show is phenomenal. The first episode was great. Next episode was better. Third episode was better. Fourth episode is better. Um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give it away, but I need to start talking about this shit because um, I cannot believe the ending. Um, it just the plot just keeps getting thicker. I love the storylines that they're adding in, and uh, the ending of this last episode, right at the very end, right, the the chief was gonna. I think she was going to tell Piper what she was, which essentially would have ended her. But when Piper somehow senses there's a fucking turtle crossing the road like a half mile ahead, that changes Joe's mind. And then we see Joe come back and tuck in Piper. I think even though the fact that Joe knows how dangerous Piper is and what she is now, she's obviously going to keep her. And, uh, well, obviously, because if she had ended her, the you know the show would have ended. But uh, I'm telling you, that's going to come back. That's going to come back to bite her. But uh, I think this has given us a real good look into the future of artificial intelligence, right? People think of AI and they think robot, right? They think of like the uh, Terminator, right, from the Terminator movies, where uh, it's like living tissue over like a metal skeleton. No. These advanced AI, like that's depicted in this movie, uh, you, doctors can't tell. They can put you through a CAT scan, X-ray, doesn't matter. They can draw blood from you. You have a heartbeat, everything. Piper is undistinguishable. She's, she is undistinguishable AI technology from human in every fucking facet. And I think that's coming. And uh, this show gives you a little sneak peek into uh, that and why and how it's coming. All right. Sorry, everybody. I just had to pause the podcast there. Johnny boy, I told you I had a weak bladder. I drink a lot of coffee. Why do you think I talk so fast? And I spill over my words. Yeah, so Emergence is fantastic. And uh, I don't think anybody, it's a secret to anybody now, that one of my favorite comedians, he is a, uh, I look up to him. Uh, he's definitely a major influence of mine, is Mr. Bill Burr, right? Billy Burr, the redheaded fuck, right? Um... He's got a great uh, rant bit where he's convinced that, um, you know, AI technology, sex robots are going to literally fuck us into the future. Um, and that was a bit he did. Of course, sex robots, right, fuck us into the future. But no, he's completely serious about that. You know, he's a, he's a little bit of a conspiracy guy, and he really thinks that um, artificial intelligence... Um, be it a robot or a human fucking hybrid it's just it's it's a bad idea it's so obviously a bad idea right when these robots or ai figure out humans all right humans are viruses dude we really are think about what a virus does it moves into an area pollutes it takes it over, fucks it up, and then once it's used up all the resources, it just moves on, right? That's what humans do. It's in our nature. So any kind of computerized artificial technology, right, is going to come to the conclusion that humans are just a fucking waste of time. Well, you know... And it's been depicted in a lot of different movies. Uh, one of the first movies I think of is the Will Smith movie, right? Robot Eye. No, I, Robot. 
right? Where the robot was, you know, a program, but couldn't violate three laws. But, you know, bullshit fucking happens, man. I'm telling you. It's so obviously a bad idea. Why do we need artificial intelligence in the form of a human-looking being? Why? Because you're... Because your fat ass can't get a fucking girlfriend. You need to go buy a fucking twenty thousand uh, dollar, eighteen year old looking chick that you're, you know, so your fifty five year old pedophile fat ass can take in the bedroom. It's gross. It's wrong. It's disgusting. It's so obviously bad. You know, what's wrong with humans? Why do we have to make artificial intelligence that's only gonna just turn on us it's so obviously bad so i messaged bill burr last night and i said dude i don't know if you've been watching emergence but it's right up your alley because he really thinks this is going to be the end of us and this is exactly what emergence is talking about so uh i haven't checked my uh, messages today i'm not sure if he got back to me and i'm sure he doesn't listen to my podcast but uh yeah um if you're under the assumption, like a lot of people are, that artificial intelligence is going to be the end of humanity, watch Emergence. It's fantastic. Um, another thing I did uh, the other night, um, I've given people a slight uh, idea of where in the country I'm from and where I live, but uh, there is a uh, there is an Air Force base that is uh, about six miles from me in a straight line. And the runway for this Air Force base comes right over my house, uh, where I stay now, and uh, where uh, the house uh, I grew up in as a kid, uh, even closer to the runway, right? So we've had military jets flying over us our whole life. Uh, my whole family, really, really, really big in the aviation. Uh, we're all wannabe pilots or ex-pilots. Um, but regardless, we all are huge aviation junkies. Anything and everything having to do with jets, flying, we're huge into it. Huge, 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 huge. One of the jobs I always wanted to have was I wanted to be an airline pilot. I no longer want to be an airline pilot. I want to still be a pilot, but I want to be a corporate pilot. I want to fly uh, like a Gulfstream or like a Embraer Phenom 300, something like that. Um for maybe net jets or somebody like that um it's not too late for me despite my age um but yeah i'm gonna give this uh podcasting and comedy thing uh you know my best shot for as long as i can and if i don't feel like it's going anywhere i'm going to flight school and uh i'm gonna start flying corporate jets um i already know how to fly uh so the school isn't gonna be really tough for me um because I'm so into aviation, I, I know a lot about flying and about the avionics and how air traffic control and all that stuff works. As God is my witness, because I've flown a flight simulator for my whole life, if, if, and I would love to take this challenge, I really would. Um, there's got to be some place in this country that has a 737, a Boeing 737 simulator, like a real simulator that the pilots train on. And I'm willing to bet you any amount of money that I can t start that plane up from a cold, dark state. That I could start it, taxi it, program it, take it off, get to my destination, and land that thing. God is my witness. Because I've been doing it for years through trainers. 
and reading books about it. That's how into aviation I am, right? So there's an Air Force base right down the road from me, right? Uh, a fighter wing. Uh, this particular fighter wing uh, happens to protect the entire Northeast United States from any kind of airborne threat, okay? My buddy is a crew chief, airline, uh, yeah, airline. He's a crew chief for the National Guard. Actually, he's one step above a crew chief. If you like NASCAR and you understand what a crew chief does for NASCAR, that's what a crew chief does for uh, his individual assigned jet, right? He is the crew chief for that crew that is assigned to that jet, right? So the other night, Tuesday night, I was invited on the base by a good friend of mine who is the head crew chief, and I got to touch, feel, get ultra close to F-15s, fight, F-15 fighter jets. Got to touch them, got to see inside them, got to look at the parts to them, uh, got to see them in multiple states of uh, repair. Um, and then we went out to the flight line, and with we had to wear two different sets of uh, uh, hearing protection. But we literally stood five feet to the left of six f-15s as they all started up at the same time and they all had their crew chiefs and then individually as i'm literally five feet from their wings they start up and they taxi right by us and then we walk out to the fucking runway right next to the runway and we watch all six of these guys take off with full fucking afterburner now as big into aviation as i am and I've been to a million air shows. I've seen a million videos, okay? I've seen crazy shit at air shows. Nothing could prepare me for how fucking cool that was. As much as I love jets and I know how cool they are, and I knew how cool this experience would be, nothing prepared my mind for how cool it would be. When I was driving home, I was like, dude, that was one of the coolest fucking things I have ever done in my life. To be able to stand there with the pilots, to be that close to these things starting up, to be able to talk to the uh, mechanics and the pilots and tell stories, uh, to feel what it feels like when that jet takes off just mere feet from you with that full afterburner ripping, the sound, it just goes through you, the smell of the jet fuel. You will never feel more badass or fucking American to know that those boys are, are fucking in our skies protecting America at, at, at all times. This guy, uh, my buddy, he's he's 40 years old, man. And like I said, I, I, I believe he's a sergeant, sergeant major in the Air National Guard, um, head crew chief or whatever the step is above a crew chief. And the knowledge he had on this $80 million jet, I mean, he knew everything. Every single nut, bolt, screw, panel. Um, I know how jet engines actually start. Um, when, uh, they get their startup power from um, what's called the APU, an auxiliary power unit. Uh, F-15s don't have an APU. So he was explaining to me uh, how they start up. And he took me over to one particular F-15 that had a crew on it that was changing out uh, one of the starter actuators. And I got to go under the plane and look up inside it and see how they were working on it. And honest to God, when I left there, I was just, I was speechless. Even though I knew about fighter jets and I've been to a million air shows and all that shit, and I knew what I was going to be doing, 
until I experienced it, I had no idea. And I still sit here now three days later just baffled that I got to do that. And um, I could have taken this kid up on his offer years ago and never did. But now that I've been once, I'm going to take as many people back as I can to experience it with me. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So if you know anybody that works on an Air Force base or a military base that has close access to jets, try to get them to take you on the base and stand on the flight line or next to the runway when they take off. The experience is just fucking phenomenal. I can't get over it. I really can't. And that ties into another thing in that um, if I knew just how cool it was uh, to live the life of an aircraft mechanic for the Air National Guard, the Air Force, Marines, Navy, um, I would have done it. I would have went right into the service as a kid. I would have. But I didn't know. I had no idea. Nobody told me how cool it was, and I never got to experience it. That's why I keep telling kids, and I keep telling parents of kids, whether they're 9 years old or 13 years old, expose them to the world. Inter interest them in physics science, jets, propulsion, just anything and everything. Let them know what the world has to offer and let them know that they can be anything they want to be. Don't discourage them because you might think it's an unattainable career or because it's a dangerous career. Show them what they have to offer so that way when they get time to take their SATs and pick out their colleges, they already know what they want to do. And if they figure out that when they're 13 they want to be a pilot, it's not too soon to go get your pilot's license or start reading some books. I'm telling you, it's just going to make it easier. If you're 15 years old and you want to be a medical doctor, it's not too soon to start watching House. MD, right? That's what I did. That's how I got my doctorate degree. I just watched uh, all eight seasons of House. And now I know all about medicine. <laughs> I do, though. I... I Believe me, I am a gig. I I have to be one of the biggest House MD fans that ever existed. I have all is it eight or nine seasons. I tell I say I'm the biggest fucking House fan, but I can't tell you how many seasons. I'm looking at my DVDs now. One, two, three, eight seasons. Right, eight seasons of House. And I think I've seen each episode ten to thirty times, depending on the episode. And after watching all that medical jargon just over and over and over again, like when I hear somebody say, oh, uh, yeah, I'm going in because I got some stomach pain or I'm going in because I got headaches, I immediately start, my my troubleshooting mind immediately starts going into, oh, I wonder what that could be. You know, I, I like to troubleshoot. I always have, whether it's a medical issue, uh, any kind of issue. I love problem solving. I love to try to figure out the problem. And because I have a little bit of knowledge now from watching a medical show 50 billion times, um, I like to kind of guess what uh, might be wrong with somebody who's sick. Fucking crazy, huh? Um, all right. I'm looking at the time, and I am just... I, I cannot believe how long I've talked. I have not gotten to literally... I'm about a third of the way through what I was supposed to talk about today, and I wanted to get this podcast literally to under an hour and we're now at an hour and six minutes so i'm gonna have to uh put this aside and talk about some of it for monday um sorry this has taken so long but uh this is kind of therapeutic to me talking to you guys about this stuff i like doing it i hope you like listening to it um don't have much going on this weekend that i know of right now but i'm gonna give you a warning 
if you want to head into the Northeast United States to leaf peep, they're all gone. Last night we had a rainstorm and a lot of uh, wind come through here and it took all the leaves down, buddy. So if you were planning on coming up to fuck up my weekend again into the Northeast to leaf peep, they're gone. All the leaves are gone off the trees. They were blown off last night. Happens every year, right? That's all it takes. The leaves are dead. So the, 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 the moment in late October that we get any kind of heavy rain with some wind, they all fall down. And that's what's happened. Yesterday, before it started raining, the leaves were gorgeous, right? They were all pretty, and they were up on the trees. Now they're all down on the ground. So if you were thinking about leaf peeping this weekend and heading out on the highway, stay home. Okay? Stay home and watch House. Or stay home and watch Emergence. Or Crank... No, no not Crank Anchors. I was telling you the other day, Crank Anchors is uh has been ruined, not by the not by the not by the comedians, not by the show, but because the people they call now are just way too uptight and just don't get it. Comedy seems to go over a lot of millennials' heads, or I I, I keep blaming it on millennials, but I, I I don't fucking know. I know some millennials that don't act millennial, and then I know some millennials that act about as stereotypical as a millennial can act. So I don't know. Right? There's good and bad people in every fucking group, right? It doesn't make a difference. Right? So anyways, yeah. Um, leaves are all off the trees, so don't bother fucking leaf peeping. Uh, I'm excited for Thursday night football tonight, even though I can't... Uh, who's playing? Uh, it's Houston and the Colts, isn't it? Right? Oh, fuck, I, can't, I, I don't even know. I think it's Houston and the Colts. Or maybe it's not. The Texans and the Colts are definitely playing, but are they playing tonight? Who is on Thursday night football? God, I'm a fucking moron, huh? But anyways, I had a lot more to talk about. Um, I don't know if any of you watched The Voice, the singing competition. I know you're going to make fun of me. I know you're going to call me. I won't say it. But, sorry, I'm a musician. It's a, it's a, It's a music show. I have to watch it, you know? I record it so I can fast forward to the commercials and all the other horse shit they do on it. But I like watching the singing. I really do. And there's a lot of singers that are impressing the hell out of me. And um, there's this one particular... You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead with this anyways. Fuck it. I'm going to talk about uh, The Voice, right? Um, so yeah, The Voice. You must know what it is. It's a singing competition. And right now they're doing what's called, uh, uh, it's, it's the battle rounds, right? So there's four coaches, right? The four coaches are Blake Shelton, John Legend, Gwen Stefani, and uh, Kelly Clarkson, right? So I believe they each have like eight or ten singers on their team. And at this point, what they do is they pick two of their team members to basically do a duet of the same song and battle each other. And at the end of the battle, that coach has to keep one, and then she has to let one go. But then she can also use the one save she has to save the one she had to let go, or the other judges can try to steal, right? So this one particular... There, there were a couple of particular uh, people that did duets that just blew me away. Granted, everybody on that show is talented. If you've made it to this level of the voice, you're fucking talented. You can sing, right? 
but this is where we separate the really great people from just the great people. So the first story about the blinds that are not the blinds, but the uh, battle rounds from the other night, from Wednesday night, no oh, Tuesday night, I wanted to talk about was the story of a um, a beautiful, beautiful uh, girl named uh, Miracle Holloway. Okay, uh, Miracle Holloway is on Gwen Stefani's team, and she was teamed up with a singer named Elise, and they did the um, Ariana Grande song uh, "Breathing or Breathe." And holy shit, were they awesome together. The duet and the harmonies that they did was incredible. But even more incredible is this Miracle Holloway girl. uh, uh, She's 36 years old, right? Her voice is just has a tone to it that I've never heard before. I mean, her voice is just spot-on beautiful, but the tone of her voice is is something I have... I don't think I've ever heard. I think she's the clear-cut winner, right? So, Miracle Holloway, she's on Gwen Stefani's team. Uh, she did Breathe the other night by Ariana Grande, or Grand, Grand. I don't know if the E is silent or pronounced. But um, there's celebrity um, coaches that help the celebrity judges. And uh, Will I Am, right, from the Black Eyed Peas, was uh, Gwen Stefani's uh, you know mentor coach for her team this week, right? So, um, so there's Will I Am and Gwen sitting there, and um, you know Miracle Holloway is in front of a microphone, and so is uh, the other girl Elise, and um, Will I Am brought up how crazy it was because he found out that Will and uh, Natalie, not Natalie, Will and Miracle Holloway actually went to the same high school in Los Angeles one year apart and even will said this he's like we are equally talented i'm huge with fuck you money and you're not why and if that doesn't tie into what i was talking about so much on uh, the podcast earlier this week you got two people both equally talented from the same city that graduated the same high school one year apart one is in a huge group with fuck you money and the other one has struggled her whole life but they're equally as talented from the same city from the same high school why is will i am huge and why is miracle holloway not and i love 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 the fact that he talked that about it because that ties in exactly to what i'm talking about how there is so many people that came out of my hometown from my high school that are now in Hollywood, famous actresses, famous actors, famous filmmakers, famous comedians, they all came out of my high school around my age. Famous musicians, a ton of them, that I grew up playing with, sleeping over their house. Kill Switch Engage, look them up. You know how close I was to being in that band instead of Grimlock? Just... If life had taken me in a slightly different direction, I would have ended up in Killswitch Engage instead of Grimlock. And some of the people in Killswitch might have ended up in Grimlock. Some of the people that ended up in Shadows Fall could have ended up in Grimlock. Some of the people in Grimlock could have ended up in Shadows Fall. The Shadows Fall... uh, Yeah. Grimlock. Shadows Fall. Killswitch Engage, which used to be Aftershock before that, along with uh, Perpetual Doom, which eventually became... um, all that remains. All the same area, bro. 
pretty much all the same musicians and we all got cut into these different four bands and had life been a little bit different with anybody i could have ended up being the guitarist in one of these bands and you know vice versa but that's just how life works right but my whole point in will i am saying holy shit miracle you are as good if not better than a singer than i am we're the same age from the same high school from the same city why am i huge and you're not and that's just it luck right some people just get it and some don't even though we're all talented we are but it just doesn't happen for some people it doesn't that's why i keep telling you that if you think that the music that you see out there is the only music that there is you're wrong there are bands and there are artists that are better than some of the people you hear on the radio that you'll never hear because they'll never make it why won't they make it because that's just fucking fate right record companies can't sign every band right so quit quit letting xm or the record companies dictate who you listen to if you want to discover new music don't turn on the radio or go to a new xm station go on to soundcloud go on to reverb nation go on to youtube there are tons and tons and tons of unsigned artists that are as good, if not better, than some of your favorite bands. And that's how I do it. I've discovered so many bands that I fucking love that I'm like, how are these people not on the radio? And then I hear some other bands on the radio and I'm like, dude, how the fuck is this on the radio? Who is controlling this shit, you know? But it's nuts. Um, making it in the entertainment business requires playing a lottery ticket that you cannot buy and that's just it. it it's but you know what you can't you can't try unless you buy you know was i ever going to become a talk show host or a podcaster or an actor or a comedian or a radio guy or anything if i didn't put myself out there like i am now was i ever going to do stand-up if i didn't start doing open mics no you have to. Are you ever going to become a pro football player if you don't play football? No. If you think you're beautiful and could be a model, unless you start putting your headshots out there, or is anyone going to know you exist? No. And don't be discouraged by the record business because the record business is insane. You have a even if you are as good as John Lennon, you might not make it. Seriously. Even if you are as good as John Lennon and are is writing shit as revolutionary as the Beatles and you put yourself out there, you still might not make it. It's very, very, very possible. But don't think for a second that you aren't good enough because, like I'm saying, it's like hitting a lottery that you just, that you just can't, you know, you just can't get an in on, Right? Some people have played the lottery for like, what, 40 years and have never hit a dollar. And then you got people like Justin Bieber, who, to use an analogy, bought a lottery ticket. or did No, he didn't even buy it. He like found one on the ground and then cashed it in and like won a billion dollars. It That happens too. Um, and I would think that you would be more humble when you eat dick for so many years in the entertainment 
business and then you start making some money. But I talked about this the other day too. There are some people that I know that don't even have a career yet, that have, that have egos the size of Texas. And you, you haven't even made it anywhere, bro. But you have an ego the size of fucking Texas. And then there's people like Opie, Greg Hughes, right? Everyone knows who fucking Opie and Anthony is, right? They were, they were on a fucking terrestrial... They were on XM across the world. That fucker doesn't know who I am. Or he might have heard of me or my, or my production company. I mean, we live pretty close together, actually. But we're not personal friends. We've never met in person. But I can send that fucking guy a message and he'll get right back to me. What a cool fucker. I can't even tell you how fucking awesome that is. That tells me that Opie is down to earth. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. If you are in a position of power where you have fuck you money or you could literally fuck up for the rest of your life and the world would love you, even reaching out to somebody that hit you up on social media, reply back to them. It'd make their day. Even like the fist bump sign to somebody back on... Just any of that shit, you know? Um, you know, I'm going to tell a story really quick here. And because I talk about Bill Burr a lot, and I talk about how much I like Bill Burr and how much I look up to him. But I'm going to tell you a story that I heard on his podcast recently that I don't dig, right? So... Let's kind of switch gears here, right? I keep sucking Bill off, right? But I'm going to say something I didn't care for that I heard about Bill recently. And he told this on his podcast the other day. So he was recently in New York. He was just on the uh, the History Highness podcast with the Honest Papas and the other dude there. So he was in New York City last week, uh, still doing promo for his uh, Netflix special. And... Um, he did his podcast from his New York City hotel, and he was telling a story how, uh, I think it was, it was the night that the Yankees swept the Twins in the American League Division Series. Was that like early last week? So that night that the game was on, New York and uh, Minnesota in the American League Divisional Series, uh, Bill and a buddy of his went to a bar. And he talks right about this on his podcast, uh, the Monday one, uh, the Monday f the 13th podcast. And uh, so he goes to a bar with a buddy. There's like four people in there. Two of them are Yankees fans. Two of them are fucking Twins fans, right? So to make a long story short, the game ends, I guess one guy's kind of in the process of getting tossed out because he's a little drunk and he's being loud and it's because the Yankees lost or they won or whatever. And at the same time, Bill and his buddy are trying to leave and evidently this guy recognizes Bill. And he's like, hey, it's Bill Burr. How are you? I'm just checking in on you. You know? And Bill said he chuckled. And then the guy asked Bill for an autograph. And Bill's like, yeah. And evidently... I guess the guy was a little in intoxicated, and Bill was kind of put off by that. But my God, this guy evidently had, had been a fan for decades. 
Wasn't expecting to see Bill Burr pop into the local bar he was at, right? Nobody does. And uh, I understand the guy was a little intoxicated, but he was obviously a fan because he knew catchphrases of Bill's that you wouldn't know unless you listened to his podcast every day, like I do, right? There's shit you pick up on if you're a big fan, right? And this guy was obviously a big fan of Bill's, and I know he was a little intoxicated. Bill hasn't had a drink in almost a year, so he was sober. And uh, this guy was kind of following him down the road and kept asking him very politely for an autograph. And Bill just kept kind of speeding up with his buddy, you know, crossing back and forth between the, uh, you know, side of the, you know, he'd go from one side of the road to the other. And, and I guess eventually they lost the guy. But come on, dude. Really? I mean, maybe I don't get it because I'm not. 51 years old i haven't been killing it with my first hbo special since uh 05 uh bill is now at the level where he's one of if not the greatest greatest working comedians um the guy's a multi-millionaire um you know he's getting acting roles left and right now um he's one of the most impossible guests to book on a podcast believe me i've tried um the guy's in hot demand right now. The guy's made it. And he deserves it. He doesn't owe anyone dick, right? But I'm telling you, and he even went into this too, because he knew that people were going to call him a dick, all right? And I'm kind of calling him a dick for this. Because I can see both sides of it. I get it, okay? Uh, Bill doesn't owe anybody shit. Yes, the fans help make you who you are, but they're not completely responsible for your success right if bill sucked even if he had fans he wouldn't be where he is okay he's he, he he's just got a god-given gift of just being funny uh not even trying to be just talking regularly uh so anyways you know the guy's been killing it for like 20 years now on the scene you know um but he's got a lot of fans man and uh all this guy wanted was an autograph i understand the guy was a little drunk a little, a little aggressive, but come on, Bill. What, what, what are you going to beat you up? Every fucking rock star or comedian walks around with a Sharpie. Fuck, I keep a Sharpie on me for the one autograph that I sign a fucking year, right? Don't fucking tell me that you couldn't have gave this fan a fucking autograph. But that's just it. When you've gotten to the level of Bill or Dave Chappelle, or Joe Rogan, you don't give a fuck if you start pissing off the occasional fan. Because you're like, you know what? Life is going to go on. If all of a sudden, uh, Bill Burr would somehow lose his job as a comedian, you know, F is for family gets canceled, his Netflix gets canceled, he just gets canceled out. He has enough money to live comfortably for the rest of his life without ever talking to any of us again. Okay? He's done. He's made it in the business. Okay? Uh, he's got fucking some of the biggest people in Hollywood on speed dial now, right? He's, he's, he's fucking Billy Hollywood and Billy Hollywood, you know, walking around with the thousand dollar designer jeans on like he's humble still, right? I think that's his wife though. His wife likes to design her shit. Um, I was giving him shit the other night. Did you see Bill's appearance on, um, uh, oh God, we could talk a lot about Bill Bear here, even though I told you I was ending this podcast like a fucking 20 minutes ago. Uh, Bill Burr was just on um, Lights Out with David Spade, right? And I don't know what the fuck Bill was wearing, but it was like these like brown-colored pants and this brown-colored shirt. 
but the camera angle that they had on him, I have to go back and pull this up and then send him the clip just so I can razz him up. But you know how pasty, pale, and gingery Bill is, right? So for some reason, his like the bottom of his shirt was open a little bit, like it wasn't covering his stomach. And when the camera was looking up at him when he was seated uh, across his spade, um, you, like you could see his stomach. And it was like blindingly white. And it wasn't even flat. You could tell he had a little gut going. It was so awful looking. That just that, that fucking pasty, pale, gingerish, just blinding fucking stomach looking back at you. It was so bad. So that's just the thing. I know you got fuck you money, Bill. And I know you're popular. And I know you're probably getting a fucking millions of dollars for your network special. But let me tell you, bro. When you shit... It stinks. When you fart, it stinks. When you wake up in the morning, your breath stinks. You're pasty. You're pale. You know? Quit. You know all too well, Bill, that you're no better than anybody else, dude. In that you got a lot of fans. You were a fan one day of comedians, weren't you? Didn't you look up to anybody? You know? Give the fan a fucking break, man. You know? I mean... Or just don't tell that story on your podcast. I know you're trying to be real, but if I had a lot of fans and I told my other fans that, you know, I just didn't feel like signing a fucking autograph tonight. I mean, look at how simple it is. I'm going to give my autograph right now. Thanks. How long did that take? Two seconds? And it just made that fan's night? Keeps him a fan for the next 20 years? But Bill has to, like, run down the street and ignore the guy? Come on, Bill. You're better than that, bro. I know you don't owe anybody anything, and I know you're at the level where every fan can get pissed off and cancel you, and you don't give a shit. But I'm telling you, man, there are a lot of people out there that really look up to you, that really respect you, and it would be life-changing to shake your hand or maybe even get a reply back from you on social media or an email back from you. Don't think for a second, dude. Seriously. I know you're a superstar now, and you're out in Hollywood, and you're living the life, and you got the wife, and you got the kid, and all that, and I'm happy for you, brother. I really am. Nobody deserves it more than you. It's just I can't stand egos, and I can't stand when people um, just forget what it was like to eat dick and forget where they came from. You know, Bill didn't move down to New York City to start his stand-up career until he was 33 years old. Just seven years younger than I am right now, starting out mine. So he knows. He knows what it's like to eat dick th th throughout your 30s and even into your 30s um, at just a dead-end job. He was a uh, what, he was driving a forklift until he decided to move down to New York City and start his comedy career. So Bill knows what it's like to come from a low to middle class family with, you know, brothers and a strict father. He knows what it's like to fucking put your boots on and fucking work for a living. He came from that. But now you got fuck you money, Bill. You're driving around in a um, $100,000 car. Your wife's car is a six-figure car. I don't know how many other fucking cars you got. Your house is $6 million. You know, but you deserve it. And I'm not trying to talk shit. I'm just saying, man, don't forget where you came from and what it was like to struggle. 
don't forget that and don't forget your fans and don't think for a second that there aren't passionate people out there that truly care about you and that aren't crazy fans that would get a kick out of uh you know you being cool back to us whether it's through a return email through responding to a funny uh you know instagram we sent you or anything you know look what opie just did for me I sent Opie a message, and 30 seconds later, the guy wrote back. And then I wrote him back, and he wrote me back. Then I wrote him back, he wrote me back. What a cool fuck. Honest to God. Who makes time for that? I'm telling you, Opie. What you just did for me, you know? Just treating another human being like another human being, not because you're just automatically better than them. So, Bill Burr, I love you. There's not a lot of shit that you've ever done that I've ever seen that I didn't agree with, but... You telling your fans a story how you were just kind of just too lazy or too annoyed to sign an autograph for a longtime fan that obviously was a real true fan because he knew all your little sayings, the checking in on you and how are you and the ladies and all that other stuff. That's not cool, man. And uh, speaking of Bill Burr, I was actually defending him recently. If, if anyone's seen Bill Burr's appearance on uh, Theo Vaughn's this past weekend's podcast, happened a couple weeks ago, everybody knows that Theo and Bill were like oil and water. They just didn't mix. Just two completely different comedic minds on different wavelengths. Um, Theo wasn't picking up what Bill was putting down. Bill wasn't picking up what Theo was putting down. I watched the whole podcast and I was thinking to myself, man, this is this is pretty awkward. I was like, if this is how Bill is on um, Theo Vaughn's, there is no fucking way he will ever go on Bobby Lee's podcast. I know Bobby Lee's been trying to get him on the Tiger Belly podcast, but we all know that Bobby Lee is really funny and really out there and really crazy and I think just a little bit too much for Bill. Uh, Bill tried to give Theo Vaughn a try and... Um, Ever since that came out, okay? So a couple of days later, later, Theo Vaughn did a recap video that he released to YouTube where he actually talked about how awkward he felt in that interview. And then since then, somebody made a compilation video of all the best of awkward moments from that interview. And then people are taking it one step further on YouTube and they're doing reaction videos to the compilation of the most awkward moments from that interview. And there's a lot of people, for the first time that I can see, actually talking shit about Bill Burr. And some of the shit I keep hearing is that his wife has changed him. He now acts like he's a struggling black man. Uh, that Bill is now a, a pretentious Hollywood Bill kind of prick. That Bill was very condescending to Theo and blah, 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 blah. And my simple comment, and it's gotten, I think, like 500 likes already, is Bill was being Bill. Take it or leave it. Was the interview awkward? Yes. But did Bill act any differently than Bill has ever acted in any other interview? No. Bill was being Bill. Bill is always Bill. Have you ever seen Bill Burr be fake? Ever? I haven't. He started his podcast in 06. Rogan started his in 09. I have listened to Bill since 06. I don't think there's a podcast I've missed. 
I know that man better than he probably knows himself just because I've been following for 13 fucking years. Every podcast, every stand-up bit. Um, so yeah, I feel like I know Bill pretty well. And uh, that's why I know that he'll like the show Emergence. And um, But honest to God, dude, um, you know, whatever. People are definitely going to talk shit about you. Uh, there's some people I know that I call myself friends with that attempted to watch his new special and didn't care for it, and I think that's insane. I think his new special is his best, and it's his most brilliant. And what's brilliant about it isn't the jokes, it isn't the material, it's, 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 it's what's underneath. It's a culmination of a lot of things for him in his career, in his stand-up, at the Royal Albert Hall, where he played, how, how much it meant to him. Uh, the ending picture with him holding his daughter on that same stage where John Bonham and Led Zeppelin played, which meant a lot to him. Um, that ending picture, uh, the the ending picture of him holding his daughter on the stage that says written by Bill Burr, that's actually my desktop wallpaper on my Mac. Um, that picture says a thousand different words. It, uh, that picture, literally, like I just said, says a thousand different things. It's it's a picture of him with holding his daughter um, on the biggest venue in stage he's ever played on, just kind of reflecting on that. He's standing right where uh, his favorite drummer and his favorite band, uh, you know, John Bonham and Led Zeppelin played right on that stage. So there he is after doing his fifth Netflix special, looking back on his career, standing where John Bonham and Robert Plant stood holding his kid it's it's a picture that says a thousand words and they're all positive it is a fucking amazing and it's 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 inspirational for me and that's why i have it as my desktop uh, wallpaper on my mac it's inspirational it really is um so yeah so i went on and defended bill saying that bill didn't act any differently than bill has ever acted on theo vaughn's podcast all right he didn't. He's just Bill being Bill. Take it or leave it. Bill is Bill. But um, I can't stick up for you, bro, when I hear you go on your podcast and say that you kind of ran away from a fan just because he was a little drunk. You know, you sounded like he was a happy drunk. Um, you were standing right there. A signature, you know, have you ever seen Bill's signature? It's two sloppy bees. And I just showed you a few minutes ago with a marker how quickly you could sign that BB and just be out of there. Two seconds, gone. Then that fan would have been a fan for life. That that fan might hate Bill. And you never know. That fan could end up taking 20 more fans with him. And that 20 more fans could take 100 more with him. But again, Bill is at the level where if he just started losing fans hand over fist, he, he, he's, he's all set. He's all set. You know, Bill wants a uh, new car right now. Bill can just drive right down to the fucking dealership and plop down three and a grand. Boom, new car. Bill's talking about getting uh, himself a little helicopter. Helicopters, they're expensive. 500000 million. No problem. Imagine that. Can you imagine having the money in your bank account to where you can just fucking plop down the money cash for a fucking, uh, you know, helicopter? Jesus. I can't even fucking imagine. Can you? It's nuts. Oh, yeah. I already got a house paid off. I already got fucking ten cars in the driveway. What do I need next? Helicopter? Yeah, what's that run? 
800 grand? Here you go. Here's cash. Or, you know, you got people like John Travolta and shit. Uh, a lot of other people with their own private jets. Like, John Travolta, not only does that guy have a customized Boeing 707, but the guy can also fly a 747. I don't think he owns one. But um, he has a couple of um, private jets. And private jets are big fucking money. Yeah, you can find an old uh, you know, Cessna Citation jet from the 80s for maybe like a million bucks that has a ton of hours on it, okay? But for the most part, if you want to buy like a brand new jet, the jet I would get right now, okay? Um, it's a single pilot jet. And what does that mean? It means it's a jet with two engines, right? Like they all have. However, you can fly it with one pilot legally. You don't need to have uh, a second pilot, right? So, you've got a beautiful private jet, right? That you can fly all on your own without having to have a co-pilot. And I'm trying to look up the price for you. There you go. A new Embraer Phenom 300 has a list price of $9 million. So there you go. But think about it. When there's people that have, uh, you know, millions of dollars in the bank, $9 million on a private jet, no problem. You know? Can you imagine? I can't. I can't. I can't imagine having the type of money where you could literally just buy a $8 million jet in cash, wouldn't even make a fucking dent in your bank account. When there's people that are struggling to pay rent for their hole-in-the-wall fucking apartment, and there's people throwing down cash on fucking jets. You know? I don't know. Maybe one day, if I'm ever rich, I'll fucking get it, right? I'll lie down in that big Illuminati vat of fucking, you know, oil. You know, my eyes wide shut. Fuck parties. I don't know, man. <laughs> God bless you if you can get there, but I just don't get it. But yeah, if you ever have any fame or fortune, man, just don't forget where you came from. Remember what it was like to eat dick and remember how much you would have appreciated and loved any kind of a uh, advice or handshake from anybody that you look up to in the business. For me, it's Bill Burr, but Bill doesn't really connect with his fans that I'm seeing. And I'm not even like one of these fans that like, you know, hit him up all the time. I've been super cool. I don't hit him up on social media. I have a couple times, but I'm super cool about it, you know? Um, I don't get starstruck. I don't. If Bill Burr were to walk into here right now, I would smile, stand up, shake his hand. My heart wouldn't race. I wouldn't sweat nothing. I, I don't. I don't get starstruck. I just think the guy is fucking hilarious. And I would love to hang out with him because I think we could have a blast just hanging out, you know. But uh, anyways, um, that's all I have for today. I have a lot more, but this podcast is going on the uh, breaking the record of the last podcast. I'm sure you fucking probably stopped listening about uh, two and a half hours ago. But uh, if you happen to make it through this far, I appreciate you tuning in. This has been Views from the John for Friday, October the 18th, the 2019. 
I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday. It's very easy. We are all over social media, realitydrip.com. You want to email me? Info at realitydrip.com. Instagram, reality underscore drip. Facebook, reality drip. Twitter, reality underscore drip. We're everywhere. Okay? I'm John. I am the owner and the producer and the podcaster for Reality Drip. And this has been another episode of Usma John. Thank you so much for turning in. Thank you for the increased viewership. Thank you for the increase in streams. I checked out my my Spotify streams the other day. And I have more Spotify streams than that stupid local musician I'm talking about has streams for his music over the last month. I'm patting myself on the back as my ego is just going... No, I'm just kidding. I don't have an ego. I don't. I think I suck. I do. But why am I doing this then if I think I suck? Well, because you might not think I suck. But, yeah, anyways, I keep fucking delaying it. Goodbye, all right? Get the fuck out of here. I'm tired of this shit, right? Have a great weekend, everybody. Remember, laugh. Turn off the news. Don't beat up your wife. Hug her. Don't drink so much. Smoke a little bud. All right? Love you guys. Hi, this is Jim Robin and Blitz. Can't come with a phone right now. Leave a message. This is Jim Robin and Bitch. Alright, alright, alright. Hi, this is Jim Robin. Hi, this is Jim Robin. <laughs> oh, shit, alright. God, so fucking stupid. <sighs> it was such a horrible message. <sighs> I'm going to say I'm going to be ready and then I'm going to fail again. <sighs> All right.